Hey everyone, welcome to Game Face episode 127. We're coming to you from a secret location, a nuclear fallout bunker in Southern yes. California, <laughs> also known as Casa de Kyle. We are actually... It's a terrible above ground bunker, <laughs> as you can see from the window. <laughs> we, we are at Matt Kyle's house, and uh, he very graciously offered uh, for us to do the show here. Uh, so make sure you give him your thanks in the chat. It's really been a huge help. I have been looking for studios. I just have not gotten lucky and found the right one yet. I'm going to continue to do that. But for the immediate future, we're going to be here. Probably going to do our E3 stuff here unless I get lucky in the next couple weeks. Maybe we'll do that on the couch. Yeah. Yeah, we'll have, yeah. I mean, we're at a house here instead of our small studio. So there's a number of different shots that we can set up. and uh, mm. It might be a little echoey because of the... Lack yeah. of furniture. Yeah. So. The ceilings in here are like 20 feet high. Yeah. So I apologize for the bad acoustics. I don't, yeah. think, I don't think they're great. Well, I think the mics hopefully pick up our voice before the echo, hopefully. Yeah. But, but we're going to do our best to make sure the sound's good. I will say this much. We only have one camera today. Uh, this is the first time we've set up everything here. And we did not have cables that were long enough to hook everything up. So it's just one camera for our first episode from here. Um, hopefully you guys can forgive us. We still have B-roll and our graphics and everything, but... Uh, better than no, no episode. It's better than no episode at all. Although I will say this, trying to put together the episode today, I wondered if we should have an episode at all. It's been a slow eight, nine days. Yeah, yeah we haven't done an episode in like eight, yeah, I guess it's eight days now. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, it's not a lot has happened. So we did put together a bunch of topics for you guys. I actually will promise this time, this will be one of the shortest episodes. I think you can agree with that, Matt, looking at the rundown. Um, well, we always say that. Yeah. But yeah, they're, they're <laughs> really, it really is pretty <laughs> short. There's what, one, two, three, four, five, like six things? No, there's only five topics today. Oh, five, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was so. misreading. One of them's got a long set of notes down there. Well, it is a Monday night. Don't want to keep people up too late. It's just the start of the week. Don't want to wear you guys out before you have to get on and do your thing at your job or at school or whatever. So let's get on with the show. Game Face 127. Mm -hmm. We're going to kick things off with what... Oh, and if people in the chat could keep Shane updated on the uh, Penguins. No. Yeah. <laughs> only Shane, if they win. Shane doesn't have... Uh, Shane doesn't have... The I'm the only one that can see the chat right now, so uh, <laughs> just tell me and I'll decide whether or not to tell him. Yeah, but then if you don't tell me anything, I'm going to know that they well, I'm lost I'm not going to tell anyway, you anything. So. Maybe I just don't forget because I don't care about hockey. <laughs> I don't know. You don't know. You know what I'm doing. That's true. All right, well, let's get on with our first topic. Undoubtedly, the biggest story of the week is a, essentially a trailer... Mm -hmm. for uh, Red Dead Redemption 2. Uh, really, the story wasn't the trailer. The trailer's great, by the way. Um, but really, the story is that IGM was fortunate enough to go and check out the game being played. Mm -hmm. uh, they got to see a 40-minute demo at Rockstar North. Uh, IGN UK, I believe, went up and did it. And from that, we got really the first details of how the game plays and some of the, the more minute uh, elements of the mm -hmm. game. Because you didn't get any of that from the trailer. Yeah, I guess you did. Eh, I mean, there's no gameplay in this. It's Quack. in engine, right? Like, it's the Rockstar thing, though. You get like three world-building trailers, and then like right before release, you finally get a gameplay trailer. Well, I'll say this: Red Dead One. By the time the game came out, they had completely blown it out. Mm -hmm. They did this series of like vignettes that were all focused on the different gameplay elements. So I'm guessing by the time the game is released in October, we'll probably have a really good idea. Uh, of what it's about as far as how you play it. Mm -hmm. uh, but the initial details that we have, there's quite a few. Um, I think the first thing that kind of caught my eye was how you interact with NPCs in the world. Uh, so if you have your gun holstered or you have your gun out, it completely affects how all the citizens um, in the game end up reacting to you. If it, obviously, if it's out, they're a lot more skittish. Some of them will actually run away if they see you with your gun out. 
if you have it holstered, they're much more likely to interact with you. Mm -hmm. um, and that is a change from the first game. I will say this. So I was here last week at Matt's house, and he showed me Red Dead 1 mm -hmm. running on Xbox One X, and it was very impressive. Holy yeah, it's, cow. Yeah, uh, it's pretty ridiculous for an eight-year-old game how to look, to look mean, like that. Really, how good that game looked when you could really mm. see what they mm -hmm. built for it. Um, they did not, this trailer did not come out in 4K. Were you surprised about that? A little bit. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, it seems like the new standard, really. Like, especially with, like, with Rockstar, like, it looks this good already. Why not go to the maximum with it? I'm also assuming that the in-engine footage that they're showing is probably running on an X or a PS4 Pro. Yeah, if not, like, a dev kit with a little more oomph to it. They it, usually have more RAM. It was interesting that they showed it to IGN on a base PS4. Hmm. Which I, I found pretty peculiar. Well, PS4, I know, is uh, like they have some kind of deal with online stuff with them. Like that's the kind of the platform, lead platform. I will probably still get it on Xbox One X. Oh, yeah, why not? So I feel like it's going to be a little... But then you never know. Like that's the thing. It's like, that's why Digital Foundry is one of the most valuable uh, places going right now. Because like you never know what the performance is going to no, be right. like on these multi-platform games. It is all over games. the map, yeah. it tends to be. You just can't tell anymore. So like I you know you hit the point where I you know I, if I were just sort of buying for myself and not to like be on a show or talk about it in the press I would probably be waiting a week until I got feedback from Digital Foundry and these right. these pixel counters and these frame rate trackers to like you know be sure that I was getting the best version. Well, I mean it could be a case too where Digital Foundry gets it early and they can still kind yeah. of put up their stuff before it comes out at least hopefully. Usually, I mean they're pretty fast. They're usually pretty fast. So some, like a lot of times they wait for the day one patch. Right. Um, which is important, mm -hmm. um, and I can see them doing that with this because, like, the odds that Rockstar would tell them that something like that is coming is pretty much zero. Yeah. So they're gonna have to wait and see how it runs day one. Yep. Uh, a couple other things IGN talked about: uh, LA Noir conversation style. Hmm. So you, when you interact with someone in the game, you get like the four button prompts with the four different options, and you can kind of guide the conversation. Mm -hmm. And you can manipulate people. Um, it is pretty interesting how Rockstar integrated that sort of conversation tree into Red Dead. Yeah, well, they never waste anything. Yeah. That's one thing Rockstar is famous for is like they'll... That's yeah, the best part of L.A. Yeah. Noir, by the way. So. Yeah, and even uh, what you call, even uh, like table tennis was kind of a test bed for physics stuff. It was, yeah. I mean, they, they're always thinking ahead. Yeah. So it doesn't surprise me they would incorporate that. It's a, it, it's a nice... Thing that you know, any any more any extra levels of like interaction with the world, uh, certainly after having played Red Dead again this past spring, um, anything like that is welcome because like it, it was a little sad that like you could walk through these towns and all these people and, like really the only th option you had was walk past them, bump into them, or pull your gun and freak them out. Right, like, those are the only things you could really do. How um, do you feel about more of like an adventure style conversation tree being in an action game? Does it concern you at all that it may slow things down a little bit and kind of mess with the pacing? No, I mean it's uh, the, like the Rockstar games have always been kind of very story heavy and narrative and character focused. So expanding that side of things makes seems to make sense to me. Uh, what else? Uh, so the camp is a big part of the game, and it's kind of like your home base, mm -hmm. but you're you're semi responsible for everyone in your camp as far as if they're fed, if they're safe. Um, and Rockstar did make a point to say, look, it's not like you have to micromanage your camp. You can go off on a three-day quest to hunt or whatever mm -hmm. you want. 
The only thing is when you come back, there may be some salty people there <laughs> waiting to uh, converse with you. And then also when you come back, you're probably gonna have to go out and hunt to make sure that you get food to fill it up. How do you mm -hmm. feel about that, that kind of camp maintenance, again, in an action game? Um, I don't know, it's, it's the whole thing State of Decay is based on, so I, yeah. like, I, I dig that. Um, as long as it doesn't become kind of like a, you know, a, a leash as opposed to another thing to do. You know, that's, that's the balance. It's like, when does, when does this bonus feature become a survival inter game? Interference, basically. Because, <laughs> yeah. look, I'm not a big survival game fan. I've played a few mm. that I've liked. I don't know if I've ever played any that I really loved. Uh, but it sounds like, from what Rockstar said about it, it's not going to be a crux of the game. It's something that you can kind of work with as much or as little as you want to. Yeah, I feel, I mean, it's Rockstar, and they know they're Because there are bonuses, by the way, for yeah. keeping your camp well-maintained. But, they, you know, you're building this game for the, the teeming masses, you know, the millions and millions of people who will presumably buy this. And you're not going to turn this thing into, you know, day Z. Right. Uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's going to be pretty light, I think. I like the approach, though, where you don't have to do it to make progress through the game, but if you mm -hmm. do, then you get bonuses that somebody who doesn't do it would, would not get. Yeah, that's probably the right way to do it, especially in a game that has like, such widespread mainstream appeal. Like, there's just going to be people that don't want to do that. Yeah, um, I'm probably one of them. But penalizing <laughs> someone for it is probably not the right way to go. Yeah. It's just like, well, you don't get these extra things. And hunting is a big part of the game as well. Mm. And one of the things that IGN remarked on was how gory the hunting stuff is. Mm. Um, like you can kill a rabbit and then there's like one move that you use to just like strip the skin off of the rabbit and the carcass just kind of falls <laughs> out. And then they were talking about, um, they shot a deer and the deer got, ran away and they tracked it just like you really track it. They followed the blood trail and found the deer. And then they found the deer and they said it was literally one of the saddest things they've ever seen in video games. The deer is like moaning and crying and like dragging itself away. And they had to come up and like put the deer out of its misery. Mm. How do you feel about that? Well, How do you think like- I already did that and got a war. Animal so. advocates will feel about that. Well, they're not real animals, so right. I don't think it matters. That, that, that doesn't it, matter though, Matt, you know well, that. it doesn't matter to PETA. The but guns PETA, aren't real in games PETA, either. But PETA's crazy, so it doesn't matter. I yeah. mean, uh, <laughs> that'll, that'll, that'll be just, somebody will complain about that on some, on, from PETA and no one will care. Um, yeah, whatever. It could get mainstream press pick up yeah it's hunting like half the country does it yeah, anyway right. i mean it's it's, it's not sure. like it's it's not like it's some kind of daring and that really happens fantastical imagine yeah that happens i mean that's the opening scene of god of war we saw that at e3 even last year and no one no one cared yeah. i mean people cared because it's an effective scene but like right. no one raised a stink about oh my god they showed a child kill kill a caribou or whatever that was well one thing that's cool about how the hunting works is that so, I don't think I'll be doing a lot of hunting if I don't have to, because that doesn't sound a lot of fun. I mean, I basically stopped playing Monster Hunter because of that. Yeah. But like, you know, it's like it's, it's interesting that they're going the opposite direction of like Far Cry, where Far Cry like removed the skinning animations right. and all the kind of like the 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 gory details. the gory details of, of of hunting these animals, and it made hunting them like not a priority really yeah. anymore outside of like these little challenges. Um, Rockstar obviously, is, you know, doesn't surprise me. Rockstar's going the opposite direction of that because Rockstar seems to strive for uh, not necessarily realism, but like believability. Like yeah. they, they strive for kind of like this verisimilitude sort of, or like not it's not realistic, but you can believe it's real, which is kind of a yeah. different thing. Uh, the other thing that's cool about how they're handling the hunting, though, is to encourage you to end up ultimately not seeing these disturbing scenes as you get rewarded for clean kills. Mm. So if you use your bow. That will help. You'll get more points when you turn in the pelt. Um, mm. And so that will incentivize you to, one, use a bow instead of a gun, 
but two, to make sure that when you do kill animals, you're killing them with a clean shot through the lungs or the heart instead of maiming them, hitting them in the leg or something like mm -hmm. that where they would end up limping away or something like that. So it seems like to me Rockstar has kind of put these controversial elements in its games like it always does, but it's found ways to encourage the player to not explore them or mm -hmm. maybe not abuse them. Of course, yeah. people will. Well, I mean, I, you know. You're going to have the people who out just int intentionally shoot the deer in, like, the leg or whatever right. to see what happens. And just poke it with a knife. And right. Throw it <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't find that controversial. I don't think that's a, you know, it's hunting. Yeah, it's yeah, just what absolutely. happens. You know, and, like, yeah, the answer to that, if anybody does complain, is basically, like, well, either don't do it or get better at it. Yeah. So, the Dark Souls, get good, the Dark Souls answer. Yep. Uh, here's the thing I like the most about what had been uncovered with, with that meeting is the way they've changed how the horse works. And, but I think this may be controversial. Some people may not like this. So in the last game, your horse was just like this disposable vehicle. You mm -hmm. never really build a relationship with it. If it died or something happened to it, you just got another one and went mm -hmm. on your way. Yep, you just, just use the certificate again. Exactly. Uh, the way it works in Red Dead 2 is as you use a single horse, you build a relationship with that horse. And so the example that they gave was, say you're crossing a stream on your horse uh, and a bear comes up. Uh, when you first start forming your relationship with the horse, the horse will get really skittish and you can't control the horse. After you use that same horse for a long period of time, it becomes much more calm and much more easy to control as time goes on. Um, if a horse gets hurt, you have to quote unquote heal the horse. You have to find bandages or whatever to heal the horse back to health. And you only have so much time before the horse bleeds out. Mm. And if the horse bleeds out, it dies and you have to find yourself another horse and you have to begin that relationship building all over again. Or you reload the save. Yeah, I guess you could <laughs> which do is, that. Which yeah. is probably what I What would most do. people would do. Yeah. Yeah. If, I, if I spent 20 some hours on a horse, I'm yeah. not gonna just let that horse die. I'm not, you're not letting the horse die just because you decided to spawn a cougar on me. Right. Which, in this game, it absolutely could happen. I mean, that's what the northern part of the map was in Red Dead 1. Yeah. was like, you know, cougar spawning death simulator, basically. Yeah. I, lost that, I lost my horse constantly to just, like, rampaging cougars out of nowhere. So It could be a case, too, where Rockstar's built the game with that in mind. Yeah, I think they probably pull back that stuff on that. down a little bit. Um, but I, I like that idea. I like building relationships with mm -hmm. creatures in games in general. That makes sense. I mean, I, they, they kind of took a stab at that in uh, GTA V where like trying to let you customize your car and like each character had their own car with different strengths and weaknesses. And like, I feel like it didn't really get where they, I mean, most of GTA V didn't really get where they wanted it to get. I felt like a lot of GTA V's, like what the systems they planned ended up in GTA Online, like fully fleshed out in GTA Online, whereas like, you can see sort of the skeleton for what they were going to build on it in single player and just never did it. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. I mean, we'll see how that works. I like the idea. In fact, I, I was just finishing playing The Witcher 3 again and I was impressed uh, having played everything. I'd never played it with all the DLC in place in the first place. So it's playing as like one big arc. It was interesting because by the, by the Blood and Wine expansion, like... Um, uh, Geralt's actually pretty attached to his horse, yeah. which is funny because in if you know the backstory, and, and he even mentions it in the game, but also in the in the in the books, uh, he just names all his horses Roach because they they die so right. often, yeah. like there's no reason. Well, but, I give it a name. But he gets attached to to the horse in the in the game, and like by the end, he's like, I was like, oh, I should build a stable in my new house for Roach, and this is like, yeah. you know, and like wants to put Roach in the painting that some guy makes of him and stuff, and like. 
Uh, there's a whole quest where he takes this hallucinogen and can talk to the horse, and the horse can talk back. <laughs> and the horse, for some reason, has a man's voice, even though it's a it's a girl. And like, and like, there's some pretty funny stuff, and like, it acknowledges sort of the stuff they've gone through. And there's a whole thing where he's like, hey, hey, why don't, you know, when I whistle for you, and like. Sometimes you cross an ocean to get to me, but then you get hung up on a tiny little fence post. Like, what's that about? <laughs> and, and Roach just goes, hey, man, no, nobody's good at everything. <laughs> like, but it's also, here's the other thing. So I too. like that. I, yeah. You would develop a bond with this animal that you've been through all this crazy stuff it's with. It's realistic. So I mean, cowboys back in the Old West, their horses yeah. were their best friends. I and mean, don't forget, like, you know, it's, it's kind of a, a, a cliche or a joke uh, to us, but like, yeah, if you stole a horse, that was a capital crime. Oh, you'd back then. be hung. Like you'd be hung because, like, if you steal a man's horse, you can leave him. You're basically you leaving die. him to die. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, so, that, was, that was your lifeline to civilization. Was that horse? Yeah. So. so I'm glad Rockstar has picked up on that. I think that could be kind of a key, and also it could be a plot device that could deliver some pretty heavy moments for mm -hmm. for the player as well. Uh, so I think it's just a good. Anyone who's played Shadow of the Colossus can tell you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and then, really, the final thing that they kind of showed IGN and they talked about was uh, on horseback gunfights. Huge, mm. huge part of the game. Um, in the past, I've not liked combat on horseback in video games. It's a little tough. Um, I mean, Red Dead 1 did it okay. It was, it was more kind of rudimentary, just sort of like, oh, somebody's near you on a horse, hold the trigger, lock and on, shoot them on. off. Yeah, yeah. Like, it was pretty cut and dry. Yeah. This looks like it's got a little more complexity to it. Maybe you don't have to babysit the horse quite as much. Yeah. Which may tie well, into... Well, provided you've built right, that you've relationship. Built relationship. It knows what, you're, what you want to do. And that could be really, like, one of the big deals about building that relationship is mm -hmm. if your reticle becomes much more level when riding on horseback. Well, then I start to wonder, like, is that also... Is the horse relationship also a factor online? That's true. Like, will you have a horse online that, like, you know, will someone who has a relationship with their horse that's solid and, and well-founded, are they going to have an advantage over someone who's, you know, not, who's not been nurturing their horse that's properly? That's a good idea. Uh, Battlefield 1 did horses pretty well, mm -hmm. I thought, um, for a game that I never would expect to be able to do horses very well. Yeah. Uh, generally, that studio is not good at sort of anything other than shooting. Well, they do vehicles pretty well. Yeah. Well, they do vehicles real well, yeah. But, uh, and I guess ultimately the horse really is just a vehicle. Just another vehicle. It's just a motorcycle with legs. Really. Yeah. So with all this in mind, has this changed? Or I mean, we're both already really excited for yeah. this game, but has it boosted your interest in it? I mean, I think the, the L.A. Noir conversation stuff boosts my interest just in the sense that I was kind of hoping it would be a little more in-depth than your sort of usual GTA clone. You know, like, the, you know, you, it's been eight years. you got to evolve it. I think GTA V, well, I liked it a lot, and I did play it twice. Um, I'm part of the problem with the sales charts. I bought it twice. I bought it for 360, and then I bought it for PS4. You're not alone. Um, apparently, I don't know if people keep losing their copies of it or what. Like that, that's it did game. finally drop out of the top 10 in the UK this week. Amazing. That is amazing. It was. It's been on the chart in the top 10 for like the last like three years or yeah. something. And so, I, I like. I think finally I, they've rung the market <laughs> dry. <laughs> I just felt like the uh, it didn't quite go as far as I wanted it to in uh, in terms of kind of developing the world and developing the depth of the heist mechanics and and sort of the relationships with the characters. But you could see sort of the the the, the beginnings of something like that, and yeah. I was like kind of hoping Red Dead would Red Dead Two would would uh, would take some of that and run with it, and it looks like they are. Um, so I think, you know, and, and while G, you know, GTA and like Rockstar always gets praised for like the living worlds or like yeah. that, but I feel like they've fallen a little bit behind. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, in terms of what you can, you know, what kind of thing in terms of the depth of character in a game like Witcher 3 or in terms of 
of just the, the, the interactivity and the, and the surprise uh, that comes from the physics of the world, like in Breath of the Wild. Um, I think they've been surpassed in multiple directions. And I was hoping that they would, you know, be willing to sort of step up and try to move forward with it, as opposed to just sort of sitting back and saying, "Hey, we're rock star; people are going to buy it anyway," which is probably which is true. true. <laughs> yes, um, absolutely true. But like, you know, it's good to see them sort of moving this forward a bit. I am pleasantly surprised by these initial impressions. Mm -hmm. I, I was with you. I was like, if they just put, if they just make GTA Five in the West, which is basically what the first Red Dead was. It was mm -hmm. GTA Four in the West. I didn't know if that was going to be good enough because you're right. The bar has been raised since they've put out their last open world game. Um, this is encouraging to me. If mm -hmm. this is the stuff that Rockstar gave up the first time they really showed the game being played, I think that's really auspicious and encouraging. I think that, that if that is just what they're willing to show with cracking the door open, what's going to happen? They probably won't be at E3. But what's going to happen in the next like three, four months as they ramp up to launch? I think they have a lot to divulge if that's what they've given up already. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm really, really encouraged by this. I was excited for this game already. I'm even more excited for it now. Um, how, long, how long do you think we're going to have to wait till we get more on it? Um, this is May. Yeah. My, my guess would be we'd get the gameplay, like the full gameplay trailer sometime near the end of August. Yeah. Um, and maybe another story. Too bad they never deal with E3. Yeah, maybe another story trailer in like July. Like I could see another story trailer somewhere between now and then. But my guess would be probably August we'll get our next big dose of like, oh, we haven't seen this before unless we work for IGN. Yeah. Kind of thing. Uh, and then Octo October is the release. So, or is it November? It's October. October? Yeah. So yeah, um, that's, that's about on schedule for what Rockstar has done the last couple of times. Like, you know, a bunch of, bunch of world building stuff, story stuff, and then you see a full gameplay trailer like two months before the release. Yeah. Um, seems about right. Maybe one last big story, dramatic trailer that doubles as a TV commercial closer to release. The only way it ends up at E3 is if Rockstar has forged some kind of a partnership with either Microsoft or Sony. I think they do with Sony. I think there is a Typically, PlayStation relationship happening there. So you might see like a, I mean, my feeling would be like we'd get a mention. Like it would, it, you know, like that trailer, this clip from that trailer will pop up in like a montage of, you know, when Sony does their like, look at all the stuff we have yeah. montage. I feel like we'd see Red Dead in that, in that montage and we might not see it in, so in Microsoft's. Or maybe an onstage mention by whoever the host is oh, on yeah, the stage yeah, at the some, time. Some Put up the suit. logo of the game in the, on the yeah. screen. And, and we, they won't show anything. It'll just be like Red Dead Redemption 2 coming to say, yeah, you'll, and you'll get all the stuff for first, da -da -da, first on PlayStation. Yeah. You know, and then like that, I mean, that'll be that. Even that, I think, is a slim chance. That's like the maximum. If it's going to show, that's, that's, that's the what, absolute maximum. That's what you're going to get. Yeah. Absolutely. So and, uh, the only other thing you get is like if somebody like gets drunk with a rock star guy in a bar somewhere and says like he told me there's Pegasuses. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's like it's, you know, that's all you're going to. There's no official. Yeah. They don't have an official presence. Yeah, absolutely. So hopefully you guys are excited as excited for uh, Red Dead as we are. Um, undoubtedly, probably actually undoubtedly my most anticipated game for the rest of the year right now. Unless something comes at E3, it could be. Elder Scrolls is shown mm -hmm. at E3, and it's yeah, coming out this year. Yeah, there's stuff could be, like, secret that I'm in. But, I, you know, I think, I think Spider-Man's above this to me, just because I feel like Spider-Man's a little bit more of an unknown. Yeah, um, with more X Factor there. Like, I, I feel like Spider-Man could reach a greater height, or it could fall, fall a lot further. Like, yeah. Red, Rock, Red Dead 2 feels like 
I, as a baseline for how good I expect it to be, and then I think it could get better than that, but yeah. I feel like it's not going to be worse than that. Whereas Spider-Man, I feel like, I, mean, I have faith in Insomniac, but yeah. like there's always the chance that Spider-Man's just not going to be, Insomniac's not even that it's bad, just not that I want what I wanted. Right. You know? like Insomniac the, has never put out a bad game. Well, it has put out mediocre. Put out Fuse. Yeah. I don't know if I'd call that bad. Bad for it's them. It's definitely bad for them. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, it's... It's borderline it's pretty bad. bad. <laughs> it's, it's right on the fringe. <laughs> Fuse is pretty bad. Yeah. I mean, that is what gives um, me pause. Yeah. That one game. And it wasn't that long ago either. But the other thing was, like, if you talked to them about Fuse when they were making Fuse, they would just be like... Oh, like yeah. Like, like, there was no enthusiasm for that game mm -hmm. uh, in the run-up to launch. And, uh, From anyone. No. And uh, I think uh, you talked to, like, you know, you've said many... We've said many times we talked to them about it at, at Pactor's Party at E3 a couple you know both years that have since they announced it and they're just thrilled to be working on spider-man yeah. like they're yeah, they're they're excited that really that counts that counts a lot yeah absolutely. You know, especially when you're talking about something you, you know by the end of it you're working 70 to 90 hours a week on it you've also been working on it for, for three, three years. years of your life like, if you're still excited about it that's a good sign usually yeah if you're still sitting there saying like i can't wait for you guys to get your hands on this uh and they seem to be because um, i would figure we're going to get playable on the floor at least a little demo. Thing, oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, this year, or you go to one of the theaters. You could, but I mean, I feel like I feel like it's time. I mean, it's going to be like what three months away. Yeah. So like, yeah, they just, should have a playable. At demo. the very least, let somebody play last year's demo. Yeah. You know, like last year's. I the would even be surprised thing. if something happens at the press conference where Sony's like, and there's a demo live right now on PlayStation. Yeah, Network. it could be. I mean, I've. Either that, or there's going to be a demo that comes like the week. Uh, no, there's no, there's nothing else. Like putting out with Ant Man wouldn't make any sense. So yeah, it could, it could be. Yeah, that would be a good. I mean, ride that Infinity War wave. I mean, yeah. the, the hype's still going to be there a month later, so be a good deal. Absolutely. So you got a lot to prove when you go out to make a new Spider-Man game, because you know, I think, I think at least uh, like our demographic, the hardcore gamer demographic, has that skepticism for a licensed game, no matter how Absolutely. pedigreed it may be. Yeah. So like, you know, and, and people have, people have opinions about Spider-Man games. So yeah. we'll see. You, I think you got, I think you got to prove it to people. I'm still Red Dead. <laughs> Even after all that, I'm still more excited for Red Dead. It could change at E3 though. Yeah, I'm just a, I'm just a comic nerd. Yeah. I'm, uh, yeah. Well, it could more, just change by Western default nerd. because Rockstar won't show anything and I, Presumably, I'll get to play mm -hmm. or at least check out Spider-Man. So. Yeah, I mean, also like Red, like Rockstar games are kind of like I'm just gonna not gonna think about you until you show up. Yeah, because like otherwise you're just gonna get frustrated. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. So, Red Dead Two looking pretty good. We'll hopefully oh, yeah. get beautiful. more on it soon. Gorgeous, also. Yeah, mm -hmm. beautiful. So, uh, we'll see. Let's move on. We're gonna talk next about. Can't wait for the PC version next year. Yeah, that they still won't talk about. Right? No, there's no nothing. But, but like that's what GTA Five did. So yeah, because they don't care. I, Even as a giant PC advocate, like the sales on PC are not anything close to yeah. what they're going to get on console. So they you're going to double dip it, right? Um, you I mean, once the price drops enough. With the X, though, the X. I mean, look, it's yeah, the, pretty close the X, to what you're going to well, get we'll on see. your PC. We'll see. Yeah. Um, you never it know until be. it happens. Should it should be. be. Close, it should yeah. be. Um, yeah, we'll see. I mean, the, the I mean, the X is running The Witcher Three pretty close to what I got on PC. I think I showed you both uh, last week, yeah. and it's you know, in fact, the HDR, HDR on the Xbox version actually makes it look pop a little more. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. We'll we'll see what it turns out to be. Maybe we'll see if I feel like I'm missing anything when the time comes. I still don't have GTA Five on my PC. Yeah. I mean, part of that's because I already played it twice. Right. But it is a monstrous game. Yeah. I don't need to do that again. Yeah. But Red Dead could be more my speed. You know, Red Dead feels like it's, a, it's expanding the adventure elements 
and uh, that tends to hook me. So, we'll All see. Right. There you go. Let's move on. We're going to talk next about something Matt and I have been harking on, harping on for a long time, and that mm. is Nintendo's insistence on supporting the 3DS with the Switch now doing gangbusters, selling through the roof. Uh, we had contended for a long time, even before the Switch came out, hey, stop developing stuff for 3DS, move everything over to Switch, make sure you have as many games as possible. Oh, you contend that. I think they should keep supporting the 3DS. Well, I'm not saying that they make more, that it was a smart financial decision to bail on the 3DS. Mm -hmm. I just think it may, actually, no, I would say that, because I think in the long run, Switch is their play. And I think if they have more games for Switch, Two years from now, it's going to matter more that the Switch is doing better because people were buying it because the software was there than them trying to drag out the 3DS's lifespan mm. even further. Switch is Switch is doing fine. Like it, I'm not worried about it. Like, and they've got a what, how many people own 3DS? Is like 40 million people. I mean, yeah. you, you're still you still have a substantial user base that there's, there's no harm in supporting. And it's not like they're coming fast and furious anymore. You know, not like the old, you know, they, they used to put 3DS games like out like water. Well, I didn't even get to the topic, which is that Nintendo said this week that it is going to continue to support the 3DS until the Switch is at one per person mm -hmm. in a household. Yeah, good luck with that. So are they counting on, say you have two kids that you're going to buy two Switches? And both yeah, your that's, kids, and that's then, their goal, they'll, yeah. then they'll bail on the 3DS? That's their goal, yeah. Because they know that kids all have their own 3DS. Right. Um, the problem is the Switch costs a heck of a lot more. Yep. Which makes you wonder what their plan is. Yeah. Uh, clearly, like clearly, a drop. Yeah, clearly they expect the Switch to be a cheaper object at some point in some form. Like, yeah. I don't know whether it's this version with a price drop and a better version supplanting it, like the 3DS you know, had with the, the 3DS... XL, or right. um, if you want to call it, I mean, uh, we're saying better version as in what the marketing would tell you, not like, we know, I know the screen of the 3DS XL is not well loved compared to the old one because of resolution problems. Um, like, it makes me think that at some point you have to make the Switch kind of an impulse buy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Which means like the 3DS might be around for a while. Selling it at like $50 or something. Well, no, I think you're. I think you're like 100, 150 bucks is sort of your. I was your, talking about the 3ds. Oh, 3ds. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. At some point, that hardware's got to be almost free. Yeah, make. just give it away. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I love the 3ds. I have a ton of 3ds games. I still use it. It's still plugged in next to my on my nightstand next to my bed. I play it uh, more than the Switch, probably. I do not use my 3DS at all anymore. I mean, it has a lot of games that, that I just don't have on. I mean, like it has uh, you know all the Metroid games, all the Zelda games, except like the you know the later console stuff. It has all the Phoenix Wright games, the Professor Layton stuff. Like oh, I, yeah, love, I, mean, I love, I love all this. The software library is great. I've just played everything on it that I want to play. And mm -hmm. what I was getting at a minute ago is that Nintendo is saying it's going to support this, continue to support it. But if you go to Nintendo's official website for the 3DS, it tells a different tale. Well, right depends. now, on Nintendo.com, there are, I think, eight games on the, the release list for the 3DS. Yeah, but physical, maybe. Like, the digital stuff still has stuff coming out all the time. On the eShop, you on mean? The e yeah, the eShop, I think, is kind of a, a somewhat a missed opportunity because tons of stuff comes out on that thing, and I never heard of, heard of it. Yeah. Like, and sometimes I'll, I'll load up the eShop to do whatever I need to do and poke around. I'm like, well, look at this. I'll buy, like, four things because I'm like, I didn't know any of this stuff existed, let alone that it came out. Yeah. Um, so the, the eShop is still supporting 3DS pretty strongly. It's just, uh, in terms of physical releases, it's slowed down tremendously. Um, which just seems kind of like how it should be. You know, you should be making these sort of like 
more one-off. I mean, frankly, I think that uh, you know the the weird one-off like digital stuff they put out on the 3DS is way more compelling than anything they've got to offer for mobile. Yeah, well, yeah, we'll get to that. But uh, the 3DS, so there's we were just showing some B-roll of the stuff that's left. There's Luigi's Mansion. Mm -hmm. There's Sushi Striker. There's this weird. There's a new WarioWare, WarioWare mm. Gold, which has a lot of the same mini games as prior WarioWare games. Although I do love this franchise, I absolutely love it. Um, and then there's this new IP that they just announced. That and then that's pretty much it. There's really not any big stuff coming for it. So to me, it seems like Nintendo's saying one thing and doing another. Yeah, we haven't seen the E3 Direct yet. Yeah, but I mean even. When they don't say that they're... And how many things they got coming for the Switch from in-house? Yeah. Really, I mean, it's not that much. Um, if you cut out the ports of three-year-old games uh, for the system, like, you're really looking at... Still you know, a lot of Wii U games left. Oh, yeah, I mean, I think <laughs> they should probably port just about everything that was ever on the Wii U over. Um, and I think that's also why you're getting that Luigi's Mansion port, is because they have the 3DS version, and they're yeah. just going to upscale it. Right. Um, and that's another thing to note that, like, you know, a lot of this stuff could double as a later we a later Switch release with a little work, you know, there's or nothing, a lot of work, or a double, or you know, doubling up. Like, I still think uh, if they put a Pokemon game out on the Switch, it's going to also come out on 3DS. Um, splitting that user base is probably a poor choice right now. Um, I, that's going to disappoint a lot of people. I realize there's a they lot. They can make a lot of money on the 3DS version, though. Oh yeah, it's hard to leave that money Absolutely. on the table. And I know like people. There's, I know there's like a contingent of Nintendo fans that basically think like that don't even seem to like the 3DS anymore because they think it's like the thing preventing the Switch from being super dominant. That's what just I like, just said. Yeah. But it's like I just don't think that's the case. Like it's, they're just not the same thing, like price wise or game wise or. Or release-wise, like, and I just don't think you're, you know, you can't necessarily just transition someone who, like, a company that's making a 3DS game to making a Switch game. Like, those are those are two different beasts in a lot of ways. It depends on Nintendo's tools. And I thought I remember reading a year or two ago that mm -hmm. Nintendo was basically unifying its pipelines mm -hmm. so that it you could kind of co-develop something on both. Yeah, that'd be smart. I mean, you know, just to, to support both sides of this is is probably the, the wisest choice for as long as you can. Although, obviously, there there are limits. I mean, we're not getting Dragon Quest right. on the 3DS here. Um, and I know there's some people disappointed. I mean, that's not a big series to me, but, like, I, there's people that are very upset they don't get to play kind of the more throwback version, of, which I actually I, I identify with because while I do think... Uh, the Switch version is nice, or the PS4 version looks nice. Yeah. Because we haven't really seen the Switch version, huh? But I don't be, think they have. It's going to be based on the PS4 yeah. version. Um, like I do get the. I like. I think the 3DS version is appealing. Like I like the throwback graphics, the the, the retro look to it. Um, if there was a way, you know, I know there's been speculation about the the Switch version that like maybe it will have the 3DS version in it. Like you'd be able to switch back and forth, which would be like a nice double pun on yeah. what the system's <laughs> name is yeah uh that would be a pretty cool thing to do uh it would also maybe make up for how late it's going to be right um we'll see like uh I've, they haven't announced the release date for the switch version of that game yet no they, they just literally said uh much later right that was, that was which means it's going to be the last uh, oh next year sometime yeah completed they got they got other fish to fry i guess um but it's like it's not like they can ignore the switch because it's too big in Japan. Yeah, it's too big everywhere. Yeah, well, it's much bigger in Japan percentage-wise, and since Dragon Quest is you know a, yeah, it sells a, a, a Japan-centric Japan, yeah. series, uh, it behooves them to uh, keep the people that want it on Switch, uh, at least in Japan, uh, informed. To me, I think Nintendo should be at the place where it allows 
third parties to support Switch or uh, 3DS. Mm -hmm. And to me, it should shift all its focus over to Switch. Let the third parties come in, make some money in the tail end of its lifespan. I think the sales for the Switch uh, by the end of you know this year might tell that tale. Uh, not maybe like you know, I'm sure it'll do well in the fall when Smash Brothers comes out yeah. or whatever, but like. I do kind of feel like if you look at sort of the tail of the tape through the whole year, it's going to show like we need more releases. We need more regular Nintendo in-house releases. This E3 is going to be a big sort of benchmark for Nintendo on where it is with third parties. Mm -hmm. You'll be able to, you will know by, by the time E3 is over whether third parties are really on board with Switch or not. Because I'm, pretty, look, I'm the, pretty sure I know already. That, I, uh, maybe. <laughs> but I mean, look, the, the data Ubisoft, Ubisoft will have something. Yeah. Ubisoft will have something weird. Because the data is there. The console's selling like crazy. It's, yeah, but the third it's party probably going to take doesn't. over a second from Xbox One in the next like six or seven months. But the third party stuff doesn't move the way they, the third parties expect them to move, clearly. You, it you doesn't look, at, look that way. You look at that top 20 sales list, and we know that, like, you know, number six or seven is ARMS, and ARMS sold about 1.2 million at the time they put that right. out at the end of the year. And then you've got stuff like Skyrim down in, like, 14th or 15th place. And yeah, that's a port of a three year old game, but so are a lot of the indie games that sell like crazy, you know, sell better than they ever have on any other platform. Do you think Nintendo could get at a place where it's kind of in a catch-22, where, where third parties are like, well, we put this out for it, and it didn't sell very well, but. The Nintendo's like, but yeah, it's an old game. A lot of mm -hmm. people have played already. And the third parties never really give Switch a chance to create software just for it. I think that's entirely possible. Because in I fact, mean, I would think that, I think people would argue that that's what third parties have been doing Nintendo for a long that's time. That's what I was going to say. It's been happening um, that way for a while. Now, I don't think that the third parties are wrong to do that because in general, third parties want, you know, you want results. You don't want to be experimenting for the benefit of some other company that doesn't benefit you. I mean, right. like, it's not in EA or Activision's interests to you know, give Nintendo, you know, okay, well, we'll have, a, we'll take, we'll swallow a couple of bombs until this thing catches on, right? right. Like that doesn't Never make any happen, sense yeah. to for a, for a company. Like, like, I'm sure the people that run EA are big Nintendo fans, but like that doesn't make any corporate sense to do that. And like, you know, expecting them to do anything else. I it's mean, it's not and, really and, and, and fair though. It's <laughs> it's, it's to switch it, owners because it, but it's business. What like, can you expect from a three-year-old game that's ported for like the third time? I mean. Well, Realistically. Also, well, also, that's about as good as you're going to get on that hardware. Yeah. I mean, you know, id pulled some miracles with Doom. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, everything else is old, you know? And maybe EA was not, you know, maybe EA was not uh, arguing in, in uh, what I call it, um, arguing in good faith when by putting out a, a gimped version of FIFA and then saying, well, I guess that didn't work. You know, like it's... It's like, That's well, the same old song and dance we get with EA and Nintendo over and over again. Yeah, I mean, EA does, EA that, with, EA does that with anything new. It's the most half-hearted effort. And yeah. then EA's like, well, didn't do well. Well, your game wasn't great. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't, I mean, FIFA, to be fair, if there was one franchise that you would think that's a sports franchise that would do well on Switch, I would think that would be it. Yeah, but at the same time, it, it, it was lacking features and, you know, it was a lesser version of it and Nintendo didn't have the online in place and one of the big attractions of FIFA is the online. It's the biggest attraction. And it was like... Ultimate team online. It was, it was like, yes, it's the right game to release, but it's the right, to, to test the water, but it was the wrong game in the sense that the system wasn't ready for it yet. Right, and that's Nintendo's it's fault. It's Nintendo's fault. That and, it did not have you know, the and online. And EA is just going to be like, well, we tried, boom. And like, 
But then you've got people like, you know, like Ubisoft, which is putting out this crazy Rabbids Mario game, and who knows what else they've got in the pipeline this year, because they've always got some weird thing to put out that's usually yeah. specifically for Nintendo systems, not like just like, oh, we're going to port this other thing. Like, no, we, we made something for the hardware. Um, and they're the only major third party that really does that. The lack of online, I think, is hurting. And it seems to work out okay for them because they've been doing it for three generations. Yeah, yeah. I if it didn't the, make financial sense, they wouldn't keep doing it. No, you're right. I think the uh, the lack of a coherent online strategy from Nintendo is hurting mm. it a lot more than people think. Yeah. Because well, I, I still most think of that's... today's biggest games are wired. They're connected in some way. Most of the last 10 years. Right. Games. Look at Splatoon. Splatoon 2 is still climbing the charts. Why? It's online it absolutely is that's where you get your replay value from generally yeah i still think the delay on dark souls is related to the online absolutely there why else would it be i can't think of it man it seemed to be running fine at the demo they were showing so like what would be the problem except online infrastructure i want to know what the problem is why is there no online infrastructure what what happened what changed it sold well so that kept them from working no, on i don't get it i don't know it's not easy it's not an easy thing. We know I mean, that. The online infrastructure for Wii U worked okay. Like, yeah. it's good enough to get third parties on board. But you know, it's you know Nintendo. Everything's gonna be proprietary and work a certain way, and it has to be that. And they've got what well, they 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 bring in uh, DNA to do that. And like you know, may, I don't know. Maybe they haven't worked on something of that scale, at least from a hardware perspective. Um, I don't know what their history is on that. Um, and it's like, look, even people have been doing this forever. Like, look at what happened to Sea of Thieves launch night. Right. Like, Microsoft's been doing online stuff for. 13 years as yeah. their bread and butter and it still didn't work yeah. so you know it's, it's Although, hard i would say rare doesn't have a ton of experience with that's online true games. that's true but usually you think that microsoft would have their back on right that, you know well they should it's a first yeah. party game it they should have been there like microsoft knows support. how to i mean maybe they know how to do it it's been a while yeah <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> Zing. You know, how long ago was halo 5 that's yeah. about the last time anyone seemed to care yeah. about an, a microsoft online launch yeah to that degree yeah. So you're okay with Nintendo continuing to put out 3DS stuff and support 3DS? I mean, it makes financial sense for them. I mean, there's a huge user base well, not there. Personally, I don't personally. I don't care. Like, I don't. You know, I don't think it's taken anything away from the Switch, and I don't particularly care about the Switch to begin with. So, and I feel like the people who are making these 3DS games that I'm not interested in would also just be making Switch games I'm not interested in. So, <laughs> you know, no, no big loss. One of one or the other. Whatever you want to do. I'm still just sitting here waiting for, I don't know. What are you waiting for at this point? On the Switch? Yeah. Metroid. Metroid, yeah. I mean, I don't, I mean, I, we'll see what Smash Brothers is like. Uh, you know, we don't, we don't really know, I think, if, you know, there's much raging debate over whether it's a port of the last one or whether it's a still brand new game. Still hasn't been confirmed. Yeah. Um, we know, should get that confirmation at E3, I'm guessing. I'll tell you this much, and I know this, you know, it's, mo it's mainly seen as a competitive, like, tournament game now, but I don't care about any of that, and I think it's one of the most boring things to watch people play um, because I just don't care about all the rolling and the, you know. Right. Like, it's like, yes, I understand that people are, you know, it making, does like, get silly making 100 really inputs a second players, or whatever, yeah. but it's like, just because it's hard to do doesn't mean I want to watch it no, curling. Right. Yeah. You know, it's, it, you know it's, <laughs> I mean, it's very hard to get a hole-in-one, but I don't want to watch golf on right. TV either, you know? And, like, it's not an insult to the golfers or the Smash Brothers players. It's not interesting to me. But, yeah. like, you know, if, if you make a big, crazy... Um, you know, uh, like, the, you know, I, I thought it was a shame that the last uh, Smash Brothers got rid of the subspace emissary kind of like style, like single player campaign, which I realized wasn't the greatest game ever made, but it was fun to see everything interacting and all the yeah. different characters together. And if you do some kind of Infinity War style Nintendo thing like that with this new one, like I'm on board for that. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm much more interested in that, but like, we don't know anything. 
Um, so yeah, I guess I'm waiting for Smash Brothers, and I think Metroid is probably next year. So, uh, and I'd like to see what Retro has been working on for however many freaking decades at this point. Meanwhile, we get an, they get Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze. Port, yeah. Port. Well, I mean, look, I'm not a Donkey Kong fan, but like that game is gorgeous. Oh, it's a great game. Yeah. More people should have played it. I guarantee the Switch version of that game will sell at least four times. I mean, I think sold on Wii if U. it was even halfway decent on the Wii U, just port it to the Switch. Like, yeah. put it on the Switch. I don't care what. If it was only on the Switch. Put it on, or only on the Wii U. Put it on the Switch. Give me Wonderful 101. Not me. I mean, I already have it. But like, yeah. you know, put Wonderful 101, Tokyo Mirage Sessions, uh, Super Mario 3D World, like anything. You know, the, the the Zelda HD remasters, like everything. Bring yeah, it over. Like not? bring it all over. Bring it all over onto this platform that more people can play on and more people are going to have, and it's clearly going to have a longer life. I would be happier if they dropped the price a little bit for the Switch version. Yeah, but I mean, it's they're not going to. I mean, may, gonna maybe happen. maybe the Zelda games will be fifty. Yeah, and you know they, they were overpriced on the Wii U. It'll so, never happen. No, it's so, so, it will it, never. It's always going to sell at full price. The, Nintendo doesn't do that. No. Nintendo doesn't doesn't drop the price. It does not. One thing I will say to transition into our next topic is, Nintendo's lack of online has kind of saved Nintendo's fans from something that a lot of people detest, and that is games as a service. Uh, unless you play Fire Emblem or The Last Zelda or those Warriors games. Yeah, Fire Emblem I think is a little overboard in terms of the microtransaction phenomena. Are you talking about... 3DS. The 3DS game. Yeah. Um, I mean, they wanted me to pay like 90 bucks for the full version of uh, Fates. Yeah. So, or Birthright and whatever that was. Um, and I was not really down with that. I was like, just give me the game. I'm, okay. Here's the thing, though, about games as a service, is we can complain about it. People can create online petitions against it. Uh, people can go Belgium on. Belgium can outlaw it. People can go on rants <laughs> or whatever on YouTube about it. But the bottom line is, obviously, the majority of players like games as a service. Mm -hmm. If it, I think I read the other day that games as a service has like doubled mm -hmm. the revenue of the games industry in like yep. three or four years. So obviously, it works. It, it works. And there's a lot of people out there that are absolutely fine with games as a service. They have mm -hmm. no. Your girlfriend, she plays Overwatch. Constantly, and she's fine with it. She has uh, some Playing people it right now. I think right. So <laughs> some people are just like, I like getting play. And there is yeah. something to be said for getting really good at a game. That is probably the thing I hate about being a, a games journalist the most is that I can never play one game long enough to get really good at it because mm -hmm. it's there's like this uh, glass ceiling that you break through at some point where you're not just like this casual person, kind of a, a drive-by player. That game becomes like a part of your life in a lot of ways, and it, mm -hmm. sometimes it gives you an identity, or it creates a circle of friends for you in the real world. There's there's all kinds of advantages yeah. to getting really into one game. And Do so you have I, any games like that that like you wish you could have gotten that good at? A lot of shooters, obviously. Yeah, I, I wish I got really good at Battlefield One, mm -hmm. um, but instead I played it when it came out for like two weeks, and yeah. then had to move on. I feel that way about For Honor. I yeah. Wish, I wish I could have like mastered For Honor, but I just didn't have the time i moved on yeah you have to i mean it's i know poor us but it's right but <laughs> it is one of the downsides of being a journalist or being someone on a podcast who has to talk yeah. about new topics every like week Like sometimes i just find games like you know like for honor where i'm like you know if i didn't have any other responsibilities in terms of what i need to play to talk about i would probably just settle into this and play it for like three months yeah and I so think good a, job ubisoft because that's what they want us to do yeah so. I, look i think a lot of people feel that way and so I feel like we've been guilty of really laying into games as a service just as much as every other podcast or video cast out there. Um, so I wanted to take a minute 
for us to share games as a service that we think are doing it right, but also games as a service that are doing it wrong. And we're going to start with, in our opinion, what we think is the worst game as a service, and then we're going to finish with what we think is the best so that we can end on a positive note. Okay. So, Matt, what game do you think is doing games as a service the worst that you've experienced yourself? Uh, the worst is actually a very current topic, and that is uh, the Harry Potter Hogwarts Mystery mobile game. People were pretty excited for this. Yeah, well, because it's it, it, at the core, it is um, the dream Harry Potter game. You create your young wizard, and you go to Hogwarts, and you go to classes, and you learn You choose your house that you want to be a part yeah, of. Yeah, which is stupid, but like <laughs> you should have to take a quiz and then like they put you into the thing and then if you really don't like it, you can pick. Okay, right. they should do like, like they, they really do it in the film, but they don't even try. Like right. they just like, what do you like? <laughs> I like Ravenclaw. Okay, you're a Ravenclaw. It's like, oh, that's great. Um, if you look at the video here, it's pretty obvious they built the whole game in The Sims. Yeah. Um, same art style. It's the exact much. same art style. Some of the animations are the same. Yeah. Um, it's it looks like a mod of The Sims most of the time. Uh, it takes place in 1985, I believe. Great year. Um, it's, uh, Chicago it's, it's Bears. A, it's, so it's, a, it's a prequel to the to the, uh, the movies and the books. Um, Is there really a plot in the game? Yeah, uh, it's it's about uh, you're the younger sibling of a, uh, a student from who was in, at Hogwarts year, a few years ago and like went crazy or something and like then ran away and just you don't know where he is or something and everybody like kind of thinks you're weird because your brother was crazy or something like that. Um, I'm not too far into it because it's very hard to uh, progress in it because the microtransactions are just there to stop you at all time. So there's been a lot of stuff written about this. Um, part of the part of it seems like a lot of the, the, the takes I've written on it are kind of like, I read about it with like, strike me as like, yes, this is a bad structure for a game, but at the same time, it feels like the person writing it has never played one of these free-to-play mobile games before. Like, people were complaining, like, oh my god, I ran out of energy while the character was being strangled by a vine, and, like, I, I had to pay to make them not die, or something. It's like, well, no, they're just going to get strangled like that until you come back to the game. Like, they're not real. Like, it's not, like, they're not going <laughs> to, they're not actually going to, it's not actually, it's not actually a real video game. Like, that's the thing, it's like, like, you can't die. Like, you can't, you can, you can just underperform or greatly perform. And, like, so, like, basically the way it works is there's no gameplay to it. Like, you go to different places and you watch a cutscene when the, when the story mission unfolds. And then something will happen, the other a lesson or an action scene. And, like, there's, like, you know, something happens and you, you will see little pieces on the screen highlighted in blue. And you tap the blue part and you have to uh, fill that, the bar up by, by giving it certain num a certain number of taps, and that's how much energy it takes, and you run out of energy, and the energy refills in, um, you know, over time. It's like four minutes for one piece of energy, and like you're looking at like 20, 24 energy to complete a scene. Um, so it's about an hour and a half to regenerate your energy. And so, but there's all <laughs> this these... game sounds But like, insane. it doesn't... A lot of these free-to-play games that do stuff like this, like are pretty pretty smartly designed in the sense that like, They'll make sure that, like, a, you know, your general missions are sort of designed to be completed in one energy bar, or like, oh, you're not, you, you need more to go do this, so just wait. The thing about the Harry Potter game is the lessons and the stuff you have to do to fill up with your energy bar stuff, they're timed. So, like, you have, not only do you have a, a certain amount of energy and then you have to wait for the energy to refill, but you have, like, three hours or four hours before you fail the lesson. And so... I guess the idea is, you know, in, so far, every time I've, I've had, like, a timed mission, 
if I was on, t if I set like a timer and was on top of when my energy refilled, I could still do it in the allotted time. But the point seems to be to scare you into thinking you're going to fail the mission by not having enough time to rebuild all your energy. So you just buy more energy. Right. Um, That's and, a pretty typical strategy. If yeah, but this it. is like, this is much more annoying than it's, because it's story driven and it's kind of like trying to like get you to keep it. And then the other thing it does is sometimes you'll complete certain story missions and then the next story mission will not be available for like three hours oh, geez. for no reason, for no given reason. But if you want to skip it, it's only 55 crystals right. and it's only 55 crystals for 999. And, you know, and it's like, so they're hitting you with two different kinds of like, a, you know, like gating currency. Right. And of course it's a Harry Potter game. It's directly targeted at children. Like it's, you know, it has to be right. I mean, so I, I, I mean, I realize parents do not let your kid download this game. I wouldn't I because mean, they're going to be coming to you every hour right. and well, a half well, saying, because, I need more crystals. Right. Well, because part of the problem is that like, it's not fun. It's yeah. not fun. Like you don't like when you, you know, all you've done when you load up a lesson, you got a full energy bar. You've tapped on like seven different things a few times and now you're out and you got to turn it off and go do something else. Like that's the gameplay. There is Why no gameplay. People play these games at all because it's i mean it's just it's like a it's like a cookie clicker it's like those clicker games you've played those i have not or, i've heard a lot about them but i've never where you're like you're them. literally just clicking stuff except usually you just that's just how many times can you click to clear the level <laughs> i mean it's stupid but at least it's not saying okay you click 24 times now you got to wait an hour and a half or pay us five bucks right you know? or like, watch like 50 like pre-roll ads oh you can't even do that in this. oh you can't no because that would require you to like i don't know have more sponsorships with uh, whatever so it's, um, it, it's a very frustrating game in the sense that it's like, it's gated in all the ways that like free-to-play games are usually gated, but it's it, like, most, I've played a fair number of free-to-play games and usually when, you know, to, to use up a full energy bar, I play like 10, 15 minutes. About, you know, that's about a chunk of gameplay for a full energy bar of, of, that recharges over the course of a couple hours. Yeah. And with this game, you're done in like two minutes. Oh, geez. Tops. And like... It just feels like that just seems like poor strategy too, because you would at least want to get the person hooked into right. the game before you ask them for money. Well, that's the th why. That's why I find it a little insidious, and this is me speculating a little bit. But I, it feels like you're preying on the Harry Potter young Harry Potter fan to be like, oh, I gotta finish the lesson, or I gotta, I can't disappoint Professor Flitwick, right. or I can't, uh, you know, you gotta like get it done to see what happens next. And I would like to see what happens next because the story is actually kind of interesting in some ways. I mean, from a Harry Potter lore uh -huh. point of view. Um, well, it's just new, right? Yeah, anything new, new info, at this point, right? Yeah. And like, I mean, if I keep going in the next, you know, in year two, I get to meet the oldest Weasley brother. That's something, right? right yeah. Um, you see him in the trailer, a guy with a red mullet. Well, you could also yeah. imagine a kid like, oh yeah, being over the moon over something like I that. I mean, I can. I mean, look, most of the people I know are playing this are like twenty-five. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're millennials <laughs> or younger. Right. Maybe they're not millennials anymore. I don't, know, right. I don't know what the cutoff is, but you know, people who were like eight when Harry Potter the books were coming out early on. Um, and like this was their childhood. This right. was you know this was their Star Wars. This you know, uh, and and you know they're playing now because like oh my god I finally get to no you don't like the yeah. I, the ideal <laughs> Harry Potter game for, would be this same concept of create a character go through a, a Hogwarts RPG, but it would be like a Bioware game or like an action RPG. I mean look right. the first the first three Harry Potter games were actually pretty damn good in, yeah. in terms of capturing that. They were still sort of like pushed out before they were ready licensed Drek and something. But like GBA games were amazing. Yeah. They're really good kind of Zelda-ish action RPGs. Um, there's room there for kind of the dream Harry Potter game, the Hogwarts simulator. Kind of, you know, Red Dead Redemption 2, but with Hogwarts. Yeah. Um, and no one wants to make it because it would cost money. And it wouldn't be your game's You also wonder, thing. too, if 
a game like that would really appeal to the Harry Potter audience all that much. I think it would. Yeah? I, I think, uh, yes. Oh, I yeah. I don't know. I wonder if making something more casual actually does make sense for that IP. I mean, if you make something like GTA, that game sold millions and millions of copies. Yeah. It didn't sell to us. But I don't think the typical GTA player really cares about Harry no, Potter. No, but what I'm much. saying is, like, there's enough casual people out there that, that you, you can sell that many copies of something. I mean, you know, and it, it also it doesn't necessarily, I mean, Harry Potter is not a guaranteed sell if you have to, like, invest in a whole bunch of, I mean, it didn't help Wonderbook. Well, yeah, well, the, um, what years, five through seven or whatever, did not sell especially well. No, well, that's because the games became something else. You know, yeah. I mean, the last two Harry Potter games were basically Gears of War uh, yeah. clones, yeah. which I don't think anybody who was in cover Harry Potter shooter, was after. Cover shooter. Yeah, they were literally cover shooters. So yeah. it was just like, that's not what anybody plays. Also, like, most of the people I know who are interested in playing Harry Potter games are women. And, like... They don't want to play a wand shooter. They no. want to play a game that's character-driven right. for the most part. Um, I'm not saying girls don't like oh, action course. stuff, yeah, yeah. but I'm saying like you know, the girl, you know, women who are into stuff like that are, tend to be more into the characters and the relationships and the setting and the world. And you're not giving anyone well, that. That's why they that like Harry Potter. Right. I mean, if anyone who really lashed onto the films, that's what they're getting out but of But if the you film. made like Mass Effect, but with Harry Potter, I think you would have a hit on your hands with that, with that crowd. But like EA didn't want to take the whoever's, you know, EA still has a license. So they're not going to take that risk. Yeah. Um, also, I mean, it's just part and parcel of EA just wanting to do the absolute minimum to get by on the licenses they have looking at you, Star Wars. Speaking of EA, though, are you surprised? Because EA does really well on mobile. Are you surprised that it kind of dropped the ball so hard it is, with this? A little, it is a little surprising. I wonder what the process was and kind of what the, the... I mean, it feels like they didn't show this to anybody. And, and someone would be like, yeah, I played for four minutes and I, and filled, now I need to pay? filled a bunch of bars and nothing happened. Like, yeah. I, and now I learned a spell, but I can't use it for anything because it's only used in duels and I haven't had a duel. And by the time I get to a duel, I don't have enough, I don't have enough thing. And I have to pay money to have a duel? Why am I paying money to have... Yeah. Like, there's, there's three currencies. There, you know, there's the energy that refills automatically. There's the pink gems which are the things you buy usually to refill energy or to buy clothing, and there's gold. And you get gold pretty quickly, but like when, like when you duel, the duel is basically like a, a paper, rock, scissors thing. Uh, you, it charges you money. Like to get through the story, it's, it's, it's 100 gold. I mean, I have like 3,000 gold from just playing the game, but it's like still, I'm like, why do I have to pay money to get in a fight with the bully that attacked me? Like, right. it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Like that, and you have to unlock, you know, you unlock hair and, and clothing and, and, you know, body parts and stuff to, like, customize your character. Um, some of that costs a lot of, of, you know, currency, gold or the gems. Um, I haven't bought anything like that because I just stuck with the normal, the, you know, the hair I originally got with them. Because um, you're just playing dress up with all the, the standard stuff. And right. like they, that's kind of the thing to work towards, I guess. And a lot of it's locked behind levels. So if you want a particular hairstyle that you want, like, if you want, like like a more kind of dreadlock hairstyle, like you welcome to level 16. Like, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, uh, this game sounds really dirty. It's, it's really very gay. And then on top of that, you're going to be paying, you know, premium currency for it. Hopefully you've built up enough in that amount of time or you're going to pay real money to yeah. get some. And like, it's not that far off like a lot of other free-to-play gating, but it feels really poorly balanced and it feels very transparent and it feels very inappropriate for the license. It feels like this license should be a little more... Um, forgiving, a little more interested in giving you a good time, because, like, let's be honest, uh, Harry Potter has made its money. Oh, yeah. And absolutely. then some. Like, yeah. J.K. Rowling doesn't need any more money. I'm sure she wasn't involved in the microtransaction design for this game. No. But, <laughs> like, 
like this is not a property that we need to leverage so hard and milk the last bit of money out of it. I mean, people have spent their money on this thing. They yeah. will spend money on this thing. You don't need to like limit my playtime to a minute at a time to convince me to like, oh, maybe it's like, cause here's the thing. Why do I spend money on like free to play stuff? If I'm having a good time playing it, I feel like they should be rewarded for yeah, giving absolutely. a good, a good yeah. game for free. Yeah. And at no point would I ever consider that for this game. Like, like it's all just clicker stuff and like, like I'd rather just watch a video of the story scenes. Yeah. Like it, and then you paid like $5 to play. Or just pull up YouTube, and I'm sure right. someone would do that. <laughs> the whole thing captured. And it's yeah. even worse that like nothing quite, it feels like a Sims expansion for Harry Potter. Like it, feel, it feels like no effort went into Don't give things. EA any ideas. Oh, I mean, they already did. I could did totally th- see like a Harry Potter. Oh, they already did like, the Make Sims It Magic game, stuff however yeah. many times. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but like, I mean, that would be better than this. Yeah. Like an actual Sims game, like Sims Medieval, but with right. Harry Potter. Yeah. Like, like, I would play that. Yeah. Like, you know, give a whole Hogwarts thing, you run around. I mean, that would be great. Yeah. That'd be great. That'd be way better than this. It'd be way better than like the last four Harry Potter games that weren't Lego games. Sims games aren't free to play though, man. You gotta pay for them. Good. <laughs> like if it means it's a game, I'll pay. I'll pay it gladly. Yeah. Like you know, and I know that like you, know, you can level that similar criticism at any free to play game, but this is the worst I've seen. And I don't even agree with a lot of the hot takes. Sort of like, oh my god, everything free to play. Every, sucks, everything's terrible. Yeah. Or, or like even or like the people like screaming about this particular Harry Potter game, saying like, oh my god, it's the worst thing. It is the worst thing. You not did in, say it's the worst I game did, of the service but ever. it's not the worst thing in the way that's like oh my because i'm familiar with this type of game and it's just it's just doing the things that they because like a lot of the, the editorials i've read have been like i can't believe they charge you to continue through this story scene that is just unbelievable like no that's every that's free to play works, that's how yeah. it works the problem is that you don't get to play anything before they start trying to get you to either wait or pay yeah and like it's just the worst balance of that i've ever seen in the probably 20, 25 games like this I've played. Because right. I'll, I'll keep, I'll, I'll give anything a chance if it's free, but this is not even really worth the time it takes to download it. Okay, my pick for, in my opinion, the worst game as a service ever is probably also the biggest game as a service ever, and that is Candy Crush. Mm. And Candy Crush. A pioneer. What'd you a say? Pioneer. The pioneer of, of the worst game as a service ever. <laughs> And what puts Candy Crush over the top for me is that it is the only video game in the history of video games that my mother spent money on. (laughs) When your monetization practices are so nefarious that you can convince my mom to pull out her credit card and put it into an app and pay, that's when you know you've hit rock That's a long time to think while you're doing that. Absolutely. (laughs) And my mom... I love you, Mom. She may be watching this, but she is very thrifty and cheap. And so when she told me that she took out her credit card and put money into Candy Crush, I was shocked. And I think the other reason that Candy Crush is the worst is because the game can just be rigged to make you pay. Mm -hmm. Because it's a match-three puzzle game, the game is always in control of what you see and what you get. Right. And so it can always say, well, you know what? If we put this gem here and this gem here, it's going to put the player in a bind to where they're going to want to, and look, they can rig it so you get to the end of a board. And that's when you get, and that's what happened with my mom. She had been playing the same board for like days and days and days. She finally got that board down to where she needed to just clear a couple more. And if she could just buy that one box, Hmm. it would clear it and she could move on to the next stage. And I think that's exactly what King does. 
I think they have all that data from literally tens of millions of people playing this game. They know exactly what it takes to get somebody to do that, mm -hmm. to pull that credit card out of their wallet, type it into that app, and spend real money on the game. And so to me, Candy Crush, hands down, the worst ever game as a service. With all due respect to Michael Pachter, who absolutely loves it, and will admit openly that he's a whale, mm. and he has the money to spend on it, yeah, so he doesn't Yeah, I mean, care. at least it, it's a game. That's true. You know? Like, Harry but Potter is, is it, not even a game. But is it when you can rig it so that... I mean, I have had some fun playing Candy Crush. I've had... Well, I'll put it this way. I have had some, some fun playing match three games in the mm -hmm. past, but the games I've had fun playing are the ones that I paid for. Well, I played Candy Crush. I mean, I didn't play it to the end or whatever it was, but I, I, I played it enough until I hit a certain point, probably like 50-some levels in, where I, I realized, like, I have failed this level way too many times for it to be chance. Yes, like, absolutely. I think you're right. I think, they, I think they drop bad pieces on you on a regular basis. And then, like, I've stuck at thing, something for, like, I mean, days. I'm mean, talking about days yeah, and days and days. it happens to everybody. And then finally I got through through this, like, amazing series. I'm like, oh, so you, you gave up. Yeah. Like at a certain point, uh, the, the game gave up trying to like, get you. Like, okay, like, we'll get he's you next not going to break. Yeah. He's, we'll he's get you finally, next time. yeah. I wonder what that number is. Because there's some kind of, there's got to be some kind of like, you know, researched point where they're Absolutely. like, okay, if we do it one more time, they're going to quit forever. They know exa yeah. exactly. They know ex all the data. They know exactly where they can push people until they have to clear. And probably what happened was you moved one thing and everything just went wah, 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 yeah, wah, pretty wah, much. Wah, and it just cleared like five times and yeah. then off you were. But that was like, that was the moment where I realized kind of like, okay, that really feels like something yeah. happened there and I just I never went back to it yeah I, I did the same thing I got to like the 25th board or whatever I could see where they were starting to manipulate me and I was never getting what I needed mm -hmm. and I was like screw this they can control all of this yeah I'm just gonna go play bejeweled again right and even bejeweled then got a little dicey after a while mm -hmm. so um yeah for me it's it's Candy Crush I think it's the worst game as a service ever all due respect to Michael Pack who absolutely loves it and his wife all she also plays it um but my mom made me realize what was going on with that game. I watched her pay for pay real money for Candy Crush, and I was like, okay, that's the tipping point for me. So now we get to turn it around, and let's talk about your favorite game as a service ever and why. Um, well, I mean, this is a weird, maybe a weird choice because it's not something I play a lot, but it's something I've observed enough to kind of think it does it well, and that's Overwatch. Yeah. Um, I haven't, I've played only a little bit, you know, probably a dozen so hours. Uh, my girlfriend has played something like a thousand. Wow. Um, I think she has something like 700 hours on Mercy alone. Wow. Um, she's pretty good at it. She um, should be. <laughs> and, she um, better be. She, so, like, you know, and they, and they all kind of, you know, and her friends, like, col they collect all the skins that, that come out. And it's all aesthetic stuff, so, you know, nothing affects how the game plays or whatever. Um, it, there's not a whole lot of hard sell on getting you to buy the stuff. You, you, you get a drop every single level up you get, and you level up pretty often, it seems, at least from what I want. Maybe maybe it's just because she gets a lot of XP all the time. Yeah, um, probably. But, like, you know, in, in, in exchange, they're constantly adding new stuff and new maps and, um, and uh, you know, like, if the various events. and the I, mean, it, I just feel like they, they give you pretty good value for your money, even though it's something you already paid 60 bucks. But I feel like the game's pretty much worth the 60 bucks by itself. Yeah. And as you continue, as you continue moving forward, they've had all the, you know, I'm not playing because I don't have a support system in place to play that. You know, but I think, like, some of the, the PvE stuff looks pretty cool. There's a lot of, like, yeah. co-op stuff they do that's story, like, actually kind of story-driven and it, like, fills in... You know, backstory for this for the you know the Overwatch team and and Blackwatch and all these like you know I, I kind of mildly keep up on the 
on the lore through her. And uh, I feel like Blizzard's just really doing a good job supporting it and making you feel like even if you're spending money on this, it feel, you know, the most important thing for a microtransaction to me is like, that I feel like it's like almost like a tip. Yeah. You know, like I feel like, oh, you're, you're giving me this really good game and you know, I'm having I a good time. And I, I played it for 700 hours. I played for a ton of hours and I feel, I feel like you're giving me something that's worth value. So I'm gonna, you know, throw this money your way. I'm gonna get some cool outfits to wear. But I feel like it's, you know, I'm supporting this thing that I love to play. I, um, and that's a good, I feel like that's a pretty good symbiosis. Yeah. One thing I'll say is I think Blizzard really makes the players of Overwatch feel like they're a part of Blizzard. Mm -hmm. um, the way Blizzard has kind of dripped out the lore for this game, I think it gets people who play it involved in it, and it kind of builds yeah. this community of people who are all like kind of rooting for one thing to happen or rooting for something else to happen. And I think Blizzard's done a good job of giving the fans what they expect, but also surprising them at the same mm -hmm. time to keep them coming back for more. Yeah, I think that's true. If I, and if I was going to pick something that would be like kind of something I've played, and I haven't gotten some, tremendously into it because I just don't have that kind of time, but I also feel like maybe runner-up would probably be uh, Warframe. Mm. I, feel like, I feel like Warframe. Warframe has done a lot to re, basically reinvent their own game. Yeah, absolutely. It's not the game now that it was when it launched at all. It's not the game that everybody got for free when they got their PS4. Yeah, it's a very <laughs> and like and you know they've they've stepped up to some things. You know there was that price error last year where they were on Steam where for a few hours they were accidentally selling. Um, it was I think it was a hundred and twenty dollar uh, you know bundle of something for nine bucks. Yeah, and a bunch of people bought it. Yeah, and they said. Okay, hey, our our error. You screwed like, up. You, yeah. you, uh, you know, you let it like you know, keep it, have fun, and um, that's cool. You know, it's, it's uh, the way. To, you know, there's a lot of companies that wouldn't have done that. No, absolutely not. They would have figured out a way to like zap the code so that yeah. they could. Because the other thing, because the big thing that people were worried about was like it included a whole bunch of platinum, which right. was the you know that's the currency. Yep. And like basically, you were getting like you know, 50 bucks worth of platinum for like $9. And that wasn't even including all the, all the suits and all the extra stuff you got. Right. But there's like, hey, if it, if it brings you people in to try the game again or try it for the first time, cool. Yeah. And, uh, and then they did the open world expansion shortly after that. And like, I just, I feel like they're doing a good job there. They've uh, worked I just, hard on that game. Yeah, I just haven't played it enough personally to have gotten far enough to really know whether it's a great game as a whole yet. Right. But I, but I, you know, certainly what little I've played of it and what little I've dabbled with it feels like, wow, this is pretty substantial for something you don't have to pay for. Yeah. So. All right, my pick for best game as a service, and I am cheating a little bit here. I'm not actually picking one game, but I am picking one publisher, and that publisher is Ubisoft. Uh, for whatever reason, Ubisoft, to me, has really found the sweet spot with games as a service. And what I like about what Ubisoft has done is that, kind of like Warframe, it has evolved the games with time. So mm -hmm. just like you were talking about earlier with, uh, with Overwatch, you have to pay for Ubisoft's games up front. And that is always a sticking point for games as a service. It's like, wait a minute, you're getting 60 bucks from me for this game, and then you're asking me to pluck down $5 here, $2 there, $10 here, $15 there. And to me, if you're just adding cosmetics and gun skins or hats or whatever, that's where I think games as a service are straying off into dangerous territory. But what Ubisoft has done with both Rainbow Six Siege, which I did not particularly like when it launched, and with For Honor, has, has basically turned those games into something entirely different than they were when they first mm -hmm. launched. So you have that initial spend of $60 when they come out, and you get that experience that's, that's there then. To me, just giving more of that same experience and asking more money for it is wrong and rotten. But 
If you're going to take that base experience and start morphing it into these other forms that maybe maybe somebody didn't like, like me, didn't like Rainbow Six Siege all that much when it launched, I like it a lot now. And I played it, I've played it way more in the last year than I did in the first year it was available. And I feel like For Honor's done the same thing. Uh, they've, they're getting ready to start another season for that. There's a big announcement coming for For Honor at E3. I'm guessing there's probably going to be a Battle Royale mode because that game's perfect for a Battle Royale. Um, and, and would be something completely different. But Ubisoft, to me, gets it. It's not like, hey, and maybe they're guilty of doing this a little bit with Assassin's Creed. Um, but with Rainbow Six Siege and For Honor, I feel like they said, okay, this is what you're getting when you buy it. If you want to spend more money, we're going to give you something different than what you paid for initially, not just more of the same thing. And mm. so I think Ubisoft has done an honorable job, haha, with those two franchises in particular. Rainbow Six Siege came back from the brink. I mean, it launched, it had no buzz, and now it's become one of the biggest games in the industry. It's getting ready to start a whole yeah. other season again. I'm interested to see, I've heard that like For Honor is going to have a pretty big section in their E3 press conference. Yeah. That they're going to, they have a lot of new things planned for That's it. what I was just saying. They're so, ready to make a bunch of big announcements I'm for it. I mean, I did not expect that. I'm glad they did. Although, certainly, if you haven't watched that documentary about uh, the making of that game, yeah. Oh boy, yeah. uh, that was some drama back yeah. there, and I feel bad for the guy. You know that guy we like so much who who would kind of frontman it. Yeah, the, I can't ever remember his name. I can't either. Um, Everyone knows who we're talking about. Yeah, though. but the guy, <laughs> the guy, the guy who goes to all the Ren fairs. Yeah, like we know, you know, <laughs> you know he does. He, he's the one who wanted to make this game because he's super into the, the medieval combat. In right. fact, I think at one point one of the big scenes where he sort of like says like oh, I've lost control. This isn't my game anymore. Yeah. He's on the way to a sparring match. Right. You know, like that's that's his life. That's what he. But it's like that. Yeah makes it worse because this is like i said this is his life this is the thing he loves and we want to make a game out of it and it's just kind of you see it sort of drift out of his hands but um, i would but say they, they ended up with a winner on their hands they did they absolutely one way or the did. other he built the foundation for the game and he did a great job with it and like you said he was really into sword combat he made sure they got that right that's the foundation of the game mm -hmm. that can then be used to extrapolate across all the other stuff that they're doing with it and if you don't have that core that strong core all the other stuff is never going to matter. No one's going to care. Yep. So just like in sword fighting, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. But so it's worked out. Like him being involved in the game was the key to the game having a strong launch. I wonder if they'll add a new faction. Probably. That'd be cool. I don't know who that would be. Like like uh, like some kind of like hmm like African warriors like like Could a, be. that kind of that would be cool. Just watch Westworld. It'll tell you what. They're going to add to it. <laughs> Well, that's my pick. Uh, Ubisoft in general, I think, has done a great job with it. But I, look, I also want to commend Sony for not playing that game at all and just saying, you know what, we're not going to do that mm -hmm. at all. We're just going to make great single-player games that you guys want to play for 30, 40 hours. So um, I don't want it to make it seem like, oh, I'm, I feel like this is what the modern game is about or the future of games is about. I, I realize that this is a monet monetization strategy that's working for the publishers, and I just wanted to recognize a publisher that I felt like had to do what it's doing, but it's finding a good way to do it, mm. I guess. Jason Vandenberg. Ah, that's, that's his him. name. Yeah. Yes. Still like him. And he's not at Ubisoft it sounds like anymore. A, it sounds like a guy who'd be, like, trying to kill Lara Croft. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> and he's not there anymore, right? No, he went to um, ArenaNet. Ah. He went to the, the Guild Wars guys. That's a pretty good marriage. Yeah. That so could we'll bear oh. some fruit, ultimately. Yeah, hopefully he, he has something cool to show soon yeah but that doc is really cool you can find it on sifted uh just search for for honor and it's i think i just checked today it's like one of the top two results mm -hmm. on the for honor page definitely worth watching after game face is over so let's move on we're going to talk next about nintendo mobile so as we mentioned on last week's well it wasn't last week it was about eight days ago now 
Uh, we talked about Nintendo, how it had basically replaced its interim leader mm -hmm. and brought in a new leader. Uh, so now we're starting to see kind of some of the edicts and the strategies from the new leader. I want to make sure I get his name right. Um, Furukawa mm -hmm. is, is, Furukawa is Furukawa, the new, yeah. Yeah, is a new leader. So he went on record this week saying that uh, Nintendo is not maximizing its revenue potential on mobile. Mm. And along with that, a lot of sales figures have come out about Nintendo's mobile games. Um, oddly enough, Animal Crossing has basically tanked on mobile. I really, that really surprises me. It has. I, I knew a lot of people playing it. I, I felt like it kind of penetrated the zeitgeist a little more than Fire Emblem did. People played it. They're not spending money. Yeah, okay. That's the problem. I mean, part of the problem with Nintendo's mobile games, I think not a problem to me, but a problem for Nintendo maybe, is that they're a little too generous. Yeah. I mean, I haven't spent a dime on Fire Emblem Heroes, and like, that game just gives you stuff Fire constantly. Emblem Heroes actually is Nintendo's biggest success story. I can see that. There's, there's a, there's a, it's financially. There's a one more, one more loot box element to that. Um, and it's also, Nintendo is so good at hiding that kind of like manipulation that there's, you'll see like on Twitter and so you'll see people that like, like oh my god, Nintendo's gonna put loot boxes into their games. It's like, Fire Emblem Heroes already yeah, it has is. Them, yeah. like, that's, that, it's gotcha, <laughs> stu it's gotcha pond stuff. It's yeah. like, that's what that is. It's literally yeah. what that is. And like, they, they, people didn't realize, people didn't know. And it's like, yeah. that's what that is. You know, and, but the thing is that like, you know, you build up so many crystals, you can have different colors or whatever. You can usually don't have to spend money as long as you kind of don't go nuts over each weekly event. Um, and you, you, they let you play a long, long time. You know, I've, I've gone, you know, I've gone, Fire Emblem Heroes is one of the few free-to-play mobile games I've ever played where I have stopped playing it before my energy ran out. Wow. Because I'm just like, man, I'm, I've just played, I've been playing this for like an hour. I gotta stop, you know? Yeah. Um, so I think, uh... So the question is, how do they fix it? How does, what does Nintendo need to do with this mobile product? Well, you, you look real close at this Harry Potter thing, and you find the happy medium between letting me play Fire Emblem for an hour and a half, unmolested, and playing Harry Potter for like two minutes before I start getting, you know, before like... Uh, Peter Moore's successor starts poking me in the <laughs> poking me in the side, asking for money. You know, yeah. like, like you got to get kind of halfway between there. I mean, I, I feel like Nintendo. You know, look, Nintendo's games, mobile games are fun. They just don't offer enough incentive to spend money for your average mobile consumer. I mean, uh, I played uh, a lot of Mario Run. So are you saying that Nintendo needs to be more jerks? Nintendo needs to be, <laughs> yeah, basically. Nintendo needs to stop giving you so much shit. Uh, I mean, I played. So the free to start thing, you, you think, is the problem. Maybe. I mean, I played Super Mario Run for, you know, a lot of the time when I was recovering from surgery, and, like, I never had to spend a... I was maxed out on tickets all the time. Like, gave me, gave me t more tickets than I can hold sometimes. It was, I, I, was, I wasted tickets because I was getting more than I uh, maxed out on, and I know I already paid 10 bucks for that game, but, like, you know, presumably you're supposed to have to kind of limit the playtime. I mean, I, I assume, like, the tickets are there because, like, you have to spend a ticket to do anything. So I assume that's supposed to be kind of your limiting factor and like, oh, if you run out of tickets, you got to give us some money. And that's kind of what, but, but like... I did not buy Super Mario Run. I did the free to start thing and never spent any money on it. And I would say that I, I don't know. I felt like I got cut off before I felt like I got much out of the Somewhat. game. Somewhat. I mean, they've added a lot since then. Um, the remix... And I have not touched it since the first couple of months. The remix stages are really good. Like the remix thing is... The remix 10, I think it's called. And like basically it's this seems to be seems to be endless. I'm on like level 40 or something of it. And I rescued Daisy, Princess Daisy on level 30s and it just kept going. So, but what it is is you spend a ticket to do 10 micro levels. It's almost like a WarioWare thing. Where like each level is like... 
this tiny bite-sized chunk of, another, of a, a level in the game maybe takes 10 to 15 seconds to get through. And there's coin, there's like uh, magic metals that you collect to collect and, and there's three, usually three, sometimes five per level. And as you collect them, they build up and every certain amount of them you get to make a spin on this thing that gives you uh, like a rare furniture for your, you know, your kingdom or whatever. Um, and I've played that a lot. Like that is real. I mean, just to like run through 10 of those, it takes like a minute and a half and it's just like boing, 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 boing. You know, it's real. It's like just instant gratification at its most insidious. And I, I could totally have seen myself spending money on it if like I'd run out of tickets and I was like, oh, I just want one more. But I've never been, you know, you can maximum hold 99 tickets. I don't think I've ever had less than 80. Like they just throw tickets at you constantly. And I'm like, that's the thing is Nintendo needs to get a little more ruthless. I mean, that's how you make money on yeah. mobile gaming. I mean, I hate to say it, but... It's totally antithetical to Nintendo's philosophy of game making. That's the problem. Well, here's the weird thing about it is like... A lot of people don't want to pay $10 for a mobile game. Mm -hmm. They'll see that. They'll say, oh, you want $10 for this. All mobile games should be free. But that same person will then spend... 30 or $40 on that game mm -hmm. on microtransactions. And it feels like Nintendo maybe is a little too polite <laughs> or it just doesn't get the way mobile games work. Well, part of the problem is like, I mean, it's not a problem, but it's like Nintendo's trying to make fun games. Almost no one in the mobile space is doing that. No, you're right. Like they're not trying to no make fun. No one fun first. They're not trying to make fun games. They're trying to make Skinner boxes that manipulate you into spending money. Absolutely. And Nintendo, that's not yeah. Nintendo's philosophy. So they're not doing that. And that's why they're not succeeding as well. And like, it could potentially be taken as a compliment to them that they're not succeeding as well because they're pro providing us a, a game, they're providing games that, you know, people like to play and don't need to spend money on. Um, maybe Animal Crossing didn't fit that bill because I guess a lot of people stopped playing it. It seems like the report says, like, not just like people aren't spending money on it, but they're not playing right. it anymore. Yeah. Well, it is Animal Crossing. I mean, yeah, Animal Crossing didn't hold my attention too long. I, I think the other, well, the other problem too with Animal Crossing Once is... Once I build the T-Rex skeleton, I'm basically done. I mean, it's a slow-moving game. Yeah. And... Like with a lot of mobile games, you need to be able to sit down and in five minutes accomplish something. Mm -hmm. That's not really how Animal Crossing works. It's like, it's one of those games like, I know I need to go over here and get this fishing rod. And mm -hmm. I need to find this particular space on the shoreline that's going to get me this fish that I really need. And that's not how mobile gaming really works. Another no. thing I would say about Nintendo and mobile is, to me, Nintendo made a huge mistake by letting DNA and Niantic make all the money off of Pokemon Go. I mean, Nintendo just gets a sliver of the money that's being generated by that game. And in all honesty, that is the biggest mobile hit based upon mm -hmm. a Nintendo IP. And I think if Nintendo had to do it all over again, it would try to work the deal some way. Did they have a choice in that, though? I don't know. I honestly, I, I don't have any idea. But I, regardless, it, if it didn't, it should have fought tooth and nail to generate more revenue off of Pokemon Go. Yeah, and I, I mean, you don't want to mess with your relationship with... with uh, Game Freak? Game Freak. I don't think Game Freak, well, Game Freak obviously is getting a big cut of the royalties as well, mm -hmm. but it's the studio. The Pokemon that, company, really. Yeah, yeah. It's the studio that made the game that's really reaping most of the mm -hmm. rewards from that. And that's well, not they're also the typical. Ones, they're also the ones that got sued almost. Yeah, so. you're right. Yeah. yeah one way they, I mean, I, I wouldn't have put a ton of my eggs in the Niantic basket, if I'm being honest, because uh, the, the, the game they, they made before, which is basically what Ingress. they reskinned for uh, Pokemon Go. Also didn't work too well. Yeah. So. But uh, to me, it's. I think you're right. I think Nintendo's going through some growing pains right now, transitioning from 
the way it's always made games and for the platforms it's always made games for to this new frontier of mm -hmm. monetization that it really doesn't have a clue on how it works right now. You would, but Nintendo is smart. You would have think, thought somewhere along the way it would have brought in consultants from companies that have done very well. Well, they bring may in some people from Tencent. Bring well, in some they may have, but the, you know, I, I can see Nintendo's reaction to a lot of the psychological warfare that goes like, on. No way! Be like, no, we're not we'll going to be that, do that to our customers, right? Yeah. And I mean, that's that that wins you customer loyalty, but it also doesn't fill the coffers. That also may be where you're seeing the Awada aesthetic versus mm. the aesthetic of the newer leaders. Mm -hmm. Where Awada is sort of a player first guy who's always yep. thinking about the customer. And you have some of these maybe shrewder, more bottom line driven guys coming in to take his place. And they're not so concerned about the customers as they are making sure that the bottom line comes in where it needs to. Yeah, that, that could be. It's, uh, you could end up with a more Yamauchi style uh, leader. Yeah, so I hate to say it, but maybe it is just a case that Nintendo needs to be a dick with its mobile games. It needs to be a little more shrewd. Yeah. I don't think that's wrong. I mean, I, I, do I think they'd have to be to be successful? Probably not. Well, here's like, the other thing. But th that's the thing is like... A lot of companies would kill to generate the amount of revenue on their mobile games that Nintendo is generating. Right. But Nintendo the, just sees the 10 cents and companies like that and King making so much money and they're like, wait a minute, we have better IP. We should be making more money than those companies. Well, and they, it's well, well also they have better games. Right. But like... That's just not how it works. No, like, it's really not. It's also like, they, I don't know if they're aware that like, it's just a totally different audience. Like, you know, try, the people who play mobile games don't play video games yeah. for, in, a, in a large chunk of those people. That the audience doesn't care about yeah. that. They, they play these time, you know, and I mean, and it happens all the time. I have two people on my Steam friends list who every time their, their name pops up on the whatever I was playing, whatever, it's always one of those weird cookie clicker style yeah. things or like an idle game like where, where you advance in the game by just turning it on and leaving it <laughs> like it's all they play and i'm like well i don't like how do you even talk to somebody about video games at that point it's weird and um <laughs> it's just a different way of doing it you yeah. know like and it's like not something i can identify with and i feel like nintendo's philosophy as a company is going to make it very hard for them to get into that headspace and maybe you don't even want them to yeah i mean it's just i don't really care if it makes any money on mobile right because then you start wondering it's like okay well it works here what about what about this switch game or what about the next zelda maybe we could stick something like that and you know that's the ea thing where like everything it's a slippery you know, slope it's where you end up yeah. with nintendo's version of battlefront 2 basically right. yeah. and nobody wants that yeah or worse need for speed payback yeah <laughs> Uh, yeah, I honestly wouldn't care if, if Nintendo never made another dollar on mobile. I mean, mm -hmm. it's not like I've played... I ain't a shareholder. And have no yeah, I don't care. It's mine. not like uh, I've played any of Nintendo's mobile games and I enjoyed them more than 3DS games or Switch games. No. I actually enjoy the 3DS and Switch games way more. So um, it's really no skin off my back if they never make another mobile game again. Like, I think they're, like, Mario Run... I haven't played Animal Crossing, but I think Mario Run and, and Fire Emblem Heroes were nice uh, bite-sized adaptations yeah. to some degree. I mean, I don't, 10 bucks. Okay. Still, it felt like an adaptation. It's like an adaptation. Of the oh yeah. Like, you know, like the, the four on four missions in Fire Emblem are very short, very fat, but like, that's what they need to be in that they format. Do. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I think Fire Emblem Heroes kind of nailed what, what it should be better than just about anyway. Cause like, and like, not everything is going to be translatable. There's like, how do you make a Metroid game in that format? Like yeah. you don't basically. Um, Unless it's just like, her and her ball form the whole time. And it right, like Metroid into pinball, pinball kind of thing, something yeah. like that, yeah. But we already did that. We did, yeah. Mm. <laughs> it was not a pretty day for that IP. When no. <laughs> yeah, so uh, maybe Nintendo just needs to just 
take what it can get with mobile mm-hmm. instead of because here's the thing you, you nintendo does not want to anger its customers and have his customers turn on it and say, oh, Nintendo's changing. It's starting to become a little greedy or mm-hmm. it's not caring about its customers, customers as much anymore. Because the worst thing that could happen is pissing, one of your fan, pissing your fans off on mobile so much that they turn away from you and won't buy stuff on handheld and console. That's when you get in deep, yeah, deep I, I don't really see that happening. Nope. Um, no, in the fervor of Nintendo fans, I definitely no. don't see that happening. I mean, you're, you're in, you know... Reggie could shoot someone's dog and there would be people excusing it somehow. You know what I mean? It's like, well, that dog said a really mean thing about... Reggie. About, you know, it insulted their DLC plan. Right. And <laughs> sug- can't have that. Suggested that something didn't sell as well as it should Reggie have. Reggie was so, justified. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, so there's that element. I don't think you're ever going to lose that audience. Yeah. Um, I think the, the danger becomes if they do adapt their strategy to mobile... And that new leadership starts to say, hey, this does real well. Why don't we start applying some of this to our other two pillars? Yeah. And, that's um, a danger. Yeah. That's, and that's when you have an EA situation on your hands. And it would be nice to never have... I would like to not have a Battlefront 2 scenario happen with Metroid Prime 4. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. You know? Agreed. So, and, you know, God knows what that would be, but, you know, it, it seems easier. Oh, they could figure it out. They'll find something, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Or Splatoon 3 becomes, right. like, this crazy microtransaction That really test. could be the franchise where that could happen. Because I bet that would work. It I bet, absolutely I bet, would I bet you would make money doing that. Like, I, if, you, if you charge for all that stuff instead of putting it out for free. Yep. You know, people, some people would abandon it, but enough people would buy it. Because, that would make know, up for the lost revenue I mean, look, people who bailed. What are Amiibo? Yeah. When it comes down to it. Yeah, that's really all they are. You're Ten pay- bucks for something that you can just Fifteen bucks. Right. For something that you could just have it like a code, and that's yeah. all you need. You don't really need those toys at Ten all. Ten bucks, and like, yeah, oh, it's such a nice... Uh, come on. Yeah. It's a, it's a $4 statue, and you paid an extra ten bucks for your the outfit that it gave you or right. whatever. It's, it's, uh, it's already here, yeah. to some degree. But because you're getting that little piece of physical whatever, people seem to mm-hmm. forgive it. Because they can put that there and have yeah, their little you, collection. You can and... clutter my house up more. I'll forgive right. you for charging me for DLC, apparently. That's, that's <laughs> your... Cool. Worked for Skylanders for about four years. <laughs> it did. But eventually that well run dry. Yeah, well, where are the Amiibos now? Yeah. They're gone. Like, yeah. there's nothing. We're waiting for the sun, bro, for the, with the Dark Souls delayed, remaster, yeah. and that's basically it, if you already pre-ordered it, because it's gone. Well, even a company like Nintendo that just has tons and tons of IP is eventually going to run out of characters. True. You only put on so many outfits. How many links are there, Link Amiibo? I think I have at Four? least five. Five? Yeah. Five or six. So, well, you could probably put out another ten Link You could put a bunch Amiibo. out. You could put out, yeah. <laughs> Hell, you could put out a different Mario for every Mario game. Yeah. And, you know, then you repaint it to Luigi. Just extend the head a little bit. That's when it starts to get dirty. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We're not but, afraid of that. Yep. All right, let's move on for our last topic of this week's episode. I told you it's going to be a short episode. We're going to talk about State of Decay 2. Uh, this game, I, I think I'm getting tomorrow. I'm getting review code for it. It comes out on the 20th... 22nd or something like that? Yeah, maybe you're right. It comes out soon. Yeah, a couple weeks. In about a week weeks. and a half, yeah. Um, and I should be getting it soon, but, man, tons of gameplay and previews and stuff have rolled out. Um, at this point, you pretty much have a good idea of what, what is up with the game. Matt, were mm-hmm. you a fan of the first State of Decay? Oh, yeah. I was not. I, I literally... This is one of those games that I played for, like, two hours and never went back. I experienced three or four crazy bugs in that two hours, and I could just see where it was all headed. I'm like, I don't want to get neck deep into one of these games where I spent all this time building up my character, 
and doing all this crazy stuff, dedicating a lot of my time to it just for some random bug to like wipe it out. I just, there's a certain level of trust I have with games. And if I start to think that the game might be buggy, I don't want to dedicate a ton of time to it. I've actually done it with uh, Elder Scrolls games in the past. When I first got Skyrim, I played it for like eight hours, I think, and then got a really bad bug where I lost some of my progress and I stopped playing. And I was like, I'll wait for them to patch this up because I don't want to get stuck in some situation where I put 40 hours into a game and then my save gets corrupted or something along those lines. And hmm. so I'm very protective whenever I go to play games like this. And the first State of Decay to me was like that really, really janky. Lots of weird stuff happen. It can be fun and entertaining at times, but it didn't engender a lot of trust. Now, here we are five years after the first State of Decay. I'm assuming this game was in development as soon as the first one was released, meaning it's been in development for five years. Yet, looking at some of the footage that has been released over the last week or so, there's already, there's already bugs being exposed mm -hmm. by the capture that people got at a preview event for this game. Yeah, the, the jank is apparently considered a character. In yeah, this, yeah, as far as I can tell, <laughs> it's a feature. <laughs> I mean, I played I played the first one in the day and the what the year one edition or whatever that was. Like I played those pretty extensively, probably about twenty hours each. Um, I really like them in spite of how weird they are and buggy in places. Uh, I just like the. It's kind of the zombie game that like my friends and I used to talk about all the time back in the old like you know PlayStation One games, like the idea of an open world where like you have to collect supplies and build up your base and like you know most of the people that I used to talk about this with I don't speak to anymore. <laughs> but if this had come out like ten years ago, we would have played this for months, yeah. months and months. And, well, Left um, 4 Dead was kind of that game because it, it has co-op now. Well, no, Left 4 Dead was not that game. I mean, we did play Left 4 Dead a lot. But Left 4 Dead is not that. Left 4 Dead is a run and gun shooter. This is a this is like the circle strafer. This is a put your put the you know put the food in the bin and put you know hammer the the, right. the boards up and board up the window and let's go over the hair and stop making so much noise they'll hear you and like like it's that kind of tension that is interesting about this this game, and um, yeah, looking at the at the uh, the preview stuff like I I've only seen one new zombie type yeah uh the plague zombie or the plague something uh that's like kind of your main new thing is like um there's these plague zombies and when they hit you you have this little like meter that fills up and if you if it fills up your character becomes one of them yeah. and um i mean that is one of the things that's interesting about the, this these games the state of state of decay games is like you have a whole bunch of um uh characters and you can switch between them at will and if one of them dies that's it yeah. like like you lose that character and so you got to be careful you got to let some of them go back and rest up at the base you got to decide who to use for what you got to kind of make you know make your choices and make sure you're not overusing somebody because they'll lose their stamina and and be more vulnerable out in the field uh and that kind of like kind of sort of sim balance stuff is very interesting I, I really like that in the original game so this looks like basically i mean it almost looks like an expansion pack well the, so we, you mentioned co-op co-op is the big new feature yeah four player co-op is sort of the biggest however new thing. the co-op is the way it works is you are attached to each other via yeah. invisible cords if you go too far away from the group you start getting warning signs saying you've gone too far away you need to get back or it will just teleport you mm -hmm. back to the group. So it's not like you can come into an open area and you can all split up and go scavenge and try to find supplies and then meet back up. You have to stay in the general vicinity of everybody else who's playing cooperatively with mm -hmm. you. 
That like, to me is a huge detriment. That doesn't bother me at all. Really? Anyway, like I like. But you were talking earlier about how you and your friends would want to be able to go into an area and kind of scavenge it. And yeah, but you, I'm sure you can. Like, it just I mean, people talk about the. Te- I mean, how short are these tethers? Like, I'm not. I'm not unused to playing like you know multiplayer games where you have to stick close to each other in some kind of vicinity. Idea. I am. Like that seems like it's been forever since I played a game that's like that. Mm, most games don't have the ability to wander around like that. I mean, the only game that I can really think of where you could wander around and leave each other completely is basically GTA V, um, where we spent that same group of people. We spent we spent hours never seeing each other in that game because we wandered away and did whatever we wanted. I spent a lot of time stealing jet fighters and then finding where the other guys were and strafing them. Um, we were basically being jerks to each other the whole time, but like we were go, we, were, we would go You're very fun. we go very far afield to find a new way to be a jerk to one another. <laughs> um, this would be I can see like this is more of a thing where like okay like it's probably a technological limitation, but like sticking together in this sort of scenario is not you know unrealistic. Um, I mean it depends how how limiting it is if like, if you can't go more than like 20 feet away from somebody that's annoying, but in general like that doesn't that doesn't really bother me. I mean Halo does the same thing, so. It's not. It's not a. That's not a crazy limitation to me. I mean, do I don't. Feel, I probably won't play much of this much co-op anyway. So I guess I'm not really the person to ask about it. Do you feel like after five years, this is good enough, though? I have no idea what any of these Microsoft exclusives are. I mean, I have the same questions about Crackdown Three. Oh yeah. Like if they made, that one. Like, what's taking so long? Like it's. I'm starting to wonder if that game's ever even going to be released. I mean, this does look better than. The other, the last, the previous. You mean game. graphically? Yeah, graphically it looks. Well, it better. should. But like you see things like again, if you watch the, uh, the IGN video, they did one that was called like Nine Awesome Things That Happened While We Were Playing State of Decay 2. And the first thing is like, there's a, they're driving a pickup truck, and there's another pickup truck coming down the road, and they try to like squish this zombie between them, and the zombie actually dodges out of the way before they can hit it, <laughs> and they ram into the other pickup truck. And the explosion when the pickup trucks hit each other is the weirdest, most like physics error. Like, like one of the the other pickup truck like shoots up into the sky like off camera, and like it, it looks like a glitch. The whole thing looks like a like an error. It it's sounds weird. like the last game. That's just, the type of stuff that was happening to me in the last. Yeah, I just didn't. There was it. times where I, I was like fighting, and like my character would just slowly start sinking below the floor, <laughs> like just all kinds of random stuff I like that. Ne- and you're right, this game, at least the first one is brutal. Like, you take a couple swipes from a zombie, like, you were dead. Mm-hmm. Doesn't and look like that's the case in this one. It looks like you're a little more hardy in this yeah. one. At least from that the would be a good change to me. But, like, um, I didn't have that many problems with bugs in the first one. It was just, like, it was just sort of a clunky game to me. Uh, I never had Definitely. A, I yeah, never the, ha- the controls were very, very clunky. Yeah, I never had anything where, like, I felt like the games bugged out and ruined something or damaged my progress or anything like that. And I played... I played through a fair amount of it in a preview code version, and then I played the final retail, and then I played year. So I play, probably played like about 20 hours of each of three versions of it, and I never found it to be like unplayably buggy. Um, it's a little weird because like, I guess like in my head I sort of pictured like a sequel to this as being like the same idea expanded further, but with right. like a lot more polish on it. Right. And it looks more like the same idea slightly expanded with no extra polish yeah. on it. And we saw that at the E3 demo last year too, where like yeah. you had like the car- that, that woman that got in the pickup truck and just had this like completely blank stare. Yeah, it turned in, into a meme. In nowhere, and it yeah. was and it was like, it's like and like that was like the thing where like oh really you should. Oh, and that oh. had been in four years in development at that. Yeah, point. and I I actually even commented on on the trailer. They did the trailer of uh, of like everybody talking about like the things they're good at. Yeah. And I was like, 
I commented on Sifted on the on the, where like, there, it pans across the roof where they're getting ready for the zombie attack, and it shows like the, all these everybody holding their guns. And one guy it pans over like right in the middle of the shot. I mean, he's the, he's the focus of the shot. He's his left arm is coming out of his chest to hold his <laughs> his gun. It's coming like out of his chest oh, and his man. jacket and holding his gun like that. Right. And I'm like, is that how do you how does that go in the trailer? Like how do you not like recapture that? Like you. If you're a studio making an, I wouldn't a let that into our trailer. I wouldn't let that into you're our preview frame footage. Frame by frame. Yeah. I mean, you're making sure there's nothing. Like I wouldn't in there. let that shot in preview footage right. of like something we were doing on a on an editorially driven show. Right. Yeah. Like if I'm actually the one who's publishing that game, how do you let that shot in there? Like if I were working with Crazy. like IGN on an IGN first right. for a month, like, like I would be. Let's not, not use that. Yeah, I would not like, let that into. The, but it's the footage. in their official trailer. It's crazy. I'm like, did, I mean, I guess it could have been something where like you watched some, some of this footage so. Much when you're cutting stuff, you just don't see it anymore. anymore yeah. But like the first thing I saw, I was like, "What?" Okay, you know, and you know, I mean, I know I'm a I'm a video editor producer person, so I'm like, so "That's what I'm looking at." Yeah, I'm like, yeah. Like, what? And I look back, I'm like, Bleh. And like, you have to get. And people in the comments are like, "Yep, clipping error." I'm like, "Yeah, but there should be no clipping errors no, not like in that this. in your in your marketing material." Like if you let somebody go capture raw gameplay and you don't look at it before they publish it, sure, that's yeah. gonna happen. But if it's something that you sat and worked on right, for this like is your probably two choreographed weeks trailer, yeah, <laughs> which is clearly clearly using like debug tools to pan across these characters because clearly you can't do that in the yeah. normal game. Yeah, like what's going on? Now look, you say it looks better. It does. It doesn't look as good as it should, in my no. opinion. Well, especially considering how rare an Xbox Microsoft exclusive sort of thing is. Yeah, like I don't expect this to be GTA Five with zombies or anything. Right, but like. It doesn't look like a it doesn't look like a 2018 game no. it that, looks that like, should be costing full price. It you know looks I mean? like to me an Xbox 360 game that's being played backwards compatible yeah. on like Xbox One X. Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> yeah, I can see. I can see. Yeah, it's yeah. low poly. The te the textures are not as high resolution as they should be for a game from 2018. Um, I, one thing I would say about this this game, this franchise in general, I don't think a lot of people play it for the graphics. I think no, a lot of people I, play it for I the think survival it's gonna be, elements. It's going to be a lot of fun anyway, I think, for me. It's, yeah. I'm not worried about that. It, but, like, if I was trying to sell someone who didn't play the others, who didn't like the others on it, I feel like I would have an uphill battle. You'd have a tough sell, absolutely. Um, and I think that's a problem, too. I feel like this, this franchise needs more fans. It was kind of yeah. a cult hit, the first one. Yeah. It, like, it's just like, you know, it's like little things. It's hard to explain. Like, like you see the container here. She's going... I love this. I love this like weird little like circle thing. Where it's like, what's gonna be in the what's gonna be in the container? Right. And then, like, if you hold the L, the left bumper, you search fa faster, faster, and you make more noise. You make more noise. Zombie show. I love the tension of that. Yeah, like yeah. that. That is all really cool. And like expanding that idea and like establishing outposts and setting like up a garden up so like you can have some food and like then you have to get back and defend. I mean, like expanding that whole thing, that whole like base building and sort of main maintenance thing, like what they're talking about in Red Dead Redemption Two. Even um, expanding that is a really cool idea. Um, but like you can't just do that. Like I, I'm, I'm struggling when I watch this and read this preview coverage to understand like what took five years. Yeah, I'm completely flummoxed as to what took so long to it's make. It's not going to change my mind about buying it or playing it, but it does make me confused and sad a little yeah. bit. <laughs> like, I'm going to give it a go. Like I said, I'm yeah, going yeah. to have it here in a couple days, and I, maybe. I'm wrong, and maybe they actually have made drastic changes that as you play it more, you start to uncover. And mm -hmm. uh, I've already pre-ordered it. I'm I'm on board. Like I'm. 
Well, we'll be playing together, maybe it's but a, not too far apart. Man. Maybe it's a mistake, but I, I decided to, to go for it. And I don't always do that before something comes out. Sometimes I wait and see if I can finagle a copy from somebody I know or something like that. I found the first game to be very frustrating. And so I'm hoping that at least, at the very least, they've kind of dialed that back a little bit. And I felt mm. it was frustrating right from the beginning. I didn't feel like there was any sort of a curve where you had like a grace period to kind of learn the controls and learn the ins and outs mm -hmm. of the game before it became brutal. Yeah, the one thing I think I hope they, they get on this is um, like I really enjoyed kind of building the stuff and kind of getting the characters leveled up and sort of finding stuff and bringing it back and kind of the interaction of everybody. My main issue was like it, it, very, it was very focused on like you can't relax. You can never have a moment where right. everything's okay. Every, something's always going on. And I kind of hope that they learn in this. I think one of the most important things is you can't make it easy. But I think in a, in a game like this, in a, in a scenario like this, one of the things you have to make sure you can do is that you have to give the player moments where they're like, man, everything's awesome right now. Like, yeah. I got everything together. I've, I've got everything the way I want it. Like, my base is doing well. And then you ruin everything. Right, right. But, like, you got to give, give me some high points yeah. to match up with the valleys. And I just felt like the first game was, was uh, unless you really were on top of the min-maxing of, of, you know, how everything ran out versus how fast you could acquire it, it felt a little, um, a little more punishing than it probably should have been. Yep. Um, and you get used to it and you get there. But I think if you want this to be a bigger hit, I'm more, 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 you know, break into the mainstream a little bit more. You got to, uh, you got, you got to, you got to give people. <laughs> I like that zombie. Just yes, hello. Like, <laughs> someone here. That's the way this game is, though. The zombies just come out of nowhere. I felt like I didn't have a chance a lot of times. Like, if that zombie didn't have glowing yellow eyes, we just thought it was whoever lives here. Right. You'd be like, <laughs> oh, okay, like, this is okay. like my co-op partner or yeah. whatever. Yeah. So we'll have a lot more on this game in the coming weeks. Again, I'll be getting it here in the next day or two. Uh, so definitely next week we'll be talking about it a little bit more. Uh, it is really kind of Xbox's mm. big game for yeah. Although they were until also, like the end of the year. And depending on when Crackdown Three happens, I mean, if it ever does, if they decide to, I'm hang, starting to wonder if they hang the whole fall on Crackdown Three. I mean, oof. But uh, the other thing I'm I'm a little concerned about is uh, some of the preview stuff. Mainly Eurogamer, I think, said that uh, they played the PC and the Xbox One X versions, and the Xbox One X version was a little framey. Really? Yeah. Which when it looks that like that actually like, does not surprise me. Though. I mean, guess not. But like, I mean, the performance of the first game, I it dipped. I know it dipped below thirty oh, yeah. constantly. Oh yeah. Its frame rate was not. But good. it's like, like on the on the X. Well, also look at that. Just engine. the raw power. They need a new the, engine, or they need to use a. I don't know what they're middleware. using. I don't either. But I, I'm guessing they're not using like Unreal or something mm. like that. Or well, there's hair, like so they right. <laughs> Touche. Mm. All right, it's time for our trailer of the week. I think we did a trailer of the week for this game just like a month ago, maybe. But uh, obviously, the best trailer of the week was Red Dead Redemption. Right. Too. But you can't not but talk about that. Since we talked about it, we're not going to run it. So we have chosen the trailer this week for Vampire. Um, this, is, this is really the first time they showed off like actual gameplay mm -hmm. for Vampire. This is Don't Nod's action RPG, the studio that was behind uh, Life is Strange. A complete departure, although back in the day they did yeah, they make made some action more action-y games. Uh, but this is the first chance where you really get a look at how the combat and stuff works. Uh, this is Vampire Becoming the Monster. You seek to protect and heal the flickering mortals. How vainly noble of you, my child. Fear, hate, those are the only flowers your compassion may grow. Get them weapons ready! Find one! Leave me alone! Who 
are you? Stay back! Untie your bonds, my child. Unlearn your past. Embrace your new nature. And once more be reborn. The vigor in their blood is all you need. We will crush this beast! Crush the leech, boys! <laughs> Submit to your hunger or resistance. But remember, mortals are now your prey. And you, my child, their mortal enemy. It is the curse of the goddess. It is the hunger in you. The need for blood. The will to strike and to punish. To spit in the eye of God. All right, so while we were doing the show, the news is broken yep. about Nintendo's online service. Ironically, we were just mm -hmm. talking about it. Thanks to Vincent in the chat. Yep, thanks, it. Vincent. Um, so $20 a year, which we knew already. Mm -hmm. They're also uh, one-month and three-month plans. Okay. Uh, for, I think, uh, so was it $7.99 for the three months? And $3.99 for one month at a time. And then there's a family membership for 12 months, 30, 35 bucks a year. Which I guess would be everybody, everyone in your household, or something. But multiple I multiple mean, accounts, I probably, guess, like on one switch or something. Yeah. I mean, if, look, if it's in, if it's their like goal to, if Nintendo's goal is to have it be one switch per person, that makes sense. That they want a whole household to be able to have their online play kind of under one umbrella. Yeah. Um, no, no big surprises there. What, no. Wait, there's something with NES games, so, though, right? Save data cloud backup, about frickin' time. So wait, you're gonna have to um, pay for that? It looks like it. That's part, wow. of the, part of the feature. Wow. Data details about this feature. Really? You have to pay for your data backup? I mean, that's how PlayStation works. Really? You have to have PlayStation Plus PlayStation before you Plus can backup your saves? Yeah, I think so. I've always had it, so I wouldn't know if I could do it without it. So I think so. It's Or it's either that or it's the you only... You get more space, though, don't you, if I you think it, I think Plus? it's only if you pay for Plus. Really? I'm pretty I never sure. Knew that. I'm pretty sure it's either that or it's only you can only do automatic uploads if you have plus. I'm pretty sure it's like you you have to have plus to have cloud saves. Wow, I did not know that, but I've always uh, had plus. So and then the Nintendo Entertainment System uh, is like 20, 20 games with new games added regularly, and they have online play when when appropriate. It looks like uh, launch titles include Soccer, Donkey Kong, Mario Brothers, Super Mario Brothers, Ice Climber, Legend of Zelda, Tennis, Mario Brothers, Balloon Fight, Doctor Mario, and Super Mario Brothers Three. And more to be revealed. I feel like uh, so. Wait, that's a virtual console for NES. Basically, but they're calling it NES, Nintendo Switch Online. Online play added to every classic game. You can compete or cooperate online with friends. Share your screen. Pass the controller depending on the game. Do we care about that? Uh, I feel like I've had enough NES retro 
bring out. I feel like I've played I played those games yeah. too many times already. Um, I also I, have them on like three other systems. Right. Yeah. So like I mean, that's the Switch experience. But look, there much. are always kids who are being born and sure. and they're, they're going to love it, but not not. For I mean, us, at least it's just part of the service. It's something. Yeah. Something to get. I'd be more interested if it was if it was uh, Super Nintendo stuff. Yeah, I'm a little more of a Super Nintendo fan. All right, let's field some questions from the chat. Uh, we do not have a PC here, so uh, and mm -hmm. my, I'm not getting chat to load on my phone. So Matt's going to field some questions for us. Um, how about uh, not Cirque or Note Cirque? Yeah, not Cirque. What would it take to get you interested in Halo again? You'd have to go back to the way Halo was, mm -hmm. so it's different and it's not just like every other shooter anymore. Um, that to me is the biggest issue is that it's really lost its identity mm -hmm. over the last couple entries. Um, I think 343's done a pretty good job with it. Um, but, and I get why it's kind of chasing the, the dragon a little bit, trying mm -hmm. to keep up with the, as shooters as they evolve. But I think what it's really done is instead of people saying, well, I like Halo, it's not really like, people can't just say, well, I like Halo and now I want to buy a Halo game anymore. People are comparing Halo to other shooters, which people never really did. Mm -hmm. It's like either you liked Halo or you didn't, and a lot of people did. And now it's just kind of turned into any shooter. And I think when you start doing that, then you start getting compared to Battlefield. And you start getting compared to Call of Duty. Um, and I think that's where it loses a little bit of its luster. I think it needs to go back, refine its old identity, and stick to it. Mm -hmm. uh, for me, as someone who's more of a single-player guy, uh, drop the Prometheans. Uh, focus on Master Chief again and make it back into a space opera. Yeah. Like, I think they've lost the scope and they've lost the enemies that were interesting and the, the kind of the, the wonder of the universe it takes place in. I mean, instead of, like, you're just stuck in these ruins fighting these bullet sponges for hours on end. Um, I think take it back to the spectacle that they used to have. It's just not there anymore. Yeah. Um, where was this? Uh... Dark Force 256 says, uh, if Bethesda doesn't have Elder Scrolls 6 this fall, what could possibly help them get out of the sales slump? Mm. Well, the other, the other uh, expectation is Starfield. Right. They have that game that, that they've already announced. Yeah, that other game that like has been kind of floating nebulously around them for a long time. No one knows what it is. Typically when that happens with Bethesda, though, it does not end well. Um, True. Bethesda's kind of been the king of, hey, we announce it now, you're playing it in six to nine months. Um, if you remember, Battlecry was another IP that Bethesda showed way early. Oh, that yeah. ended up being canceled. The studio was like absorbed into the other studios. Usually if Bethesda announces something and you don't see it for a while, it's not mm -hmm. good news. I'm not saying that's going to be the case with Starfield. I've, but I think they need something this year. They Absolutely. Gotta, they got to put well, something out. They have to release something. I mean, they are a private company. They're not publicly held, so they don't have to answer to shareholders, but you do have to pay everyone's salary. So mm -hmm. um, you would expect something. I think it will be another case of at least we're going to get something announced in a month at E3, and that will come out before the end of the year. I, I mean, I really think we're due for an Elder Scrolls here. Um, yeah. My, overdue. My, uh, my fantasy team certainly thinks so. Yep, Absolutely. Uh, Damp Towel Man asks what was playing on the TV behind you at the start of the show. That was uh, everything on PS4. It's like an attract mode, and It's right? auto attract mode where if you, it, when you set it to documentary in the options, it just jumps from object to object and it downloads, um, it downloads the first few paragraphs of their Wikipedia article yeah. and displays it on the screen. Yep. Uh, it's kind of a neat thing. Yeah, it, so look, th again, this is the first it all, time It all here. went idle and turned off about halfway through yeah, the yeah. show. But like, this is our first time at this location. We have a lot of kinks we're going to have to work out. 
Um, obviously only one camera for this episode. Usually we have three. Uh, that'll be fixed for next week's episode, or actually maybe even this week's. Who knows when we're going to do the next one. Uh, but yeah, first time here, had some kinks to work out. Uh, we'll get them sorted, and uh, next episode will be better. Uh, w. Matthew uh, gets his question for the week. Stated that K2 seems to have performance issues on the Xbox, but not on PC. The game isn't the only game we're seeing this in. Do you think devs are finally hitting the limits of what the current gen consoles can do, at least in terms of CPU resources? Uh, no. No. <laughs> I don't. I, I think some developers are better than others. Yeah. That's, <laughs> I, I think State of Decay 2 is just State of Decay 2. There's no reason um, State of Decay should run the way it does. No. I mean, you look at what other developers are doing with this old hardware uh, and getting it to run at a rock-solid 30 or in some cases 60, uh, it's just really the hands of the developers working on it, and the, mm. the, the team behind State of Decay, for whatever reason, its engine just cannot hang. Justin Horman asks, what's a game that you feel should be in the Video Game Hall of Fame? That isn't already? It isn't. So already in Donkey Kong, Doom, Final Fantasy VII, GTA Three, Halo, Madden, Zelda, Oregon Trail, Pac-Man, Pokemon, Pong, Sims, Sonic, Space Invaders, Space War, Street Fighter II, Super Mario Brothers, Tetris, Tomb Raider, and WoW. WoW. <laughs> that's a pretty good lineup. Yeah, that's... Um, I would probably... Is Super Mario 64 in there? I think just Super Mario. I think Mario is just in there. Does that mean that... I think it's like a whole series is covered by one thing. Oh. So like Sonic's in there is Sonic. You know, Madden's in there is Madden. It's not a specific Madden game. That's kind of weird. Halo's in there is Halo. That's kind of weird, I think. Yeah, it's just... just, they, They do by franchise. So basically, what franchise has not been put in there yet that should Pretty much, yeah. Well, probably we could look at the nominees from this year that didn't quite make it, and we could probably pick from, True. from those. I, I'm kind of feeling like maybe God of War earned its place this year. Maybe. Um, the other thing I would maybe say would be, um, I mean, I would put Metroid. Metroid's not in there? No. Oh, then absolutely. I would put Metroid in there. Um, I'm what about Castlevania? Biased. Is it uh, in there? Castlevania's not in there. It Castlevania should, should, be, in there. should be in there. Absolutely. Uh, Metal Gear. Even though it's probably dead now. Metal Gear yeah. should be in there. I'd put in Castlevania before Metal Gear. So would I, but still, like, Metal Gear probably should be in there. Yeah. Um, If it hasn't made it in by now, it might be tough, though, because we probably aren't going to see anymore. You're right. But that's even even better. It's like, okay. The thing, too, about the Hall of Fame is that they they add a ton of games. Yeah, they do add many. Every year. Um, And so eventually, they're going to start running out of games, Mm -hmm. and then you'll start seeing stuff probably like Metal Gear making it in there. And I would also say uh, StarCraft. Yeah, in there. I would certainly like Castlevania should be in before Madden. Like, mm-hmm. that, that's a weird lineup. The, the whole, I mean, the whole video game Hall of Fame thing is weird. Every time they announce that there's new inductees, I'm like, that's still a thing. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I just don't think about it. I guess. Uh, Wolfox Ten JC says, talk about those mechs, Matt. I guess they mean the the ones back there. Those are all uh, Combiner Wars from a couple of years ago, and the middle one is a uh, Japanese version of Power Master Optimus Prime with the God Bomber armor on him. Uh, so you can't really, you can't, can you see that? I'm looking at the monitor here. Yeah, you can't really see that, but it's left to right. It's <laughs> Menasaur, Superion, God, Jinrai, Defensor, and Bruticus. There you go. I can keep putting more robots in the background of these things. If oh, want. believe me. He can put robots for days. <laughs> you have never seen anything until you've seen Matt Kyle's Transformers collection. I'll try to, I'll try to get the uh, two-foot Omega Supreme back there. It week. is impressive, to say the least. Um, 
Not Cirque says, already asked a question, but I'll give it this. Matt, I know you're a fighting game fan. You've been playing Dragon Ball Z, Dragon Ball Fighters. What are your thoughts on the game if you've played it? Uh, I have not played it because I don't really like Dragon Ball. Um, I, was, I was too old for Dragon Ball. Um, I don't really care about it either. I was, uh, and it, it really matters how old you were when you first saw Dragon Ball. I've yeah, definitely learned sure. that. Like we have our friend, we've talked about him before, but our friend Corrado, who used to be at G4, uh, but he grew up in Italy and they aired Dragon Ball there. He's the same age as me, but he, they aired Dragon Ball there when he was a kid. So he loves Dragon Ball because he saw it when he was eight. Right. And I saw it when I was 22. That and I was like, this is difference. terrible. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and so I'm not a huge Dragon Ball fan. It's like watching Sesame Street so when you were 20. Like... Yeah, so I've not spent 60 bucks on it um, because I'm just not there yet. Um, I have watched a lot of the, the tournament footage, like during the, you know, the, the, um, the various uh, you know, tournaments they've been doing. Yeah. Uh, it looks really cool. Uh, it's too bad that it's dominated by basically three different characters for the most part. So basically, like, I can't remember which characters. It, I think it's like Cell and uh, Trunks or somebody. I can't, I don't know who anybody is in Dragon Ball. <laughs> I don't really either. But like, basically, it's like two characters and then a third character. It's, it's almost like Mar it's Marvel vs. Capcom, again, all over again, where it's like you need these two characters to be compatible, to be competitive, and then you know, so the balance is probably going to change as they add characters and do some tweaks and stuff. So I'm keeping an eye on it, but I don't anticipate playing it anytime soon until the price drops substantially. Like, We've talked about the game our, a lot yeah, on the show. Like, I'll probably get it if it, if it gets like a 50% off price cut for a sale or something at some point. Um, yeah. It's just not a priority because I just don't care about the license. Yep. That makes a big difference. Let's answer one more. Okay. Um, uh, the Jbone29 asks, what are your thoughts on the Microsoft job listing for creative director of a brand new series to make Avatar games? For me, hearing this while not hearing about a new studio to make AAA games is extremely disappointing. I guess games involving the Microsoft Avatars. There's a there's a new they start a new studio to like make just just games make games for the new avatars around, based around the avatar. So thing. Microsoft is kind of following Nintendo's lead with me. Right, essentially, Sound, that's what it sounds like. I think that's a bad idea. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, think I Microsoft should just mandate that any multiplayer game allows you to use the new avatars yeah, as, and let as, the third parties handle all that crap. As uh, James Cameron said about Alien Three, it's not how I would have done it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But I mean, yeah. When they said Avatar, that's what I thought they were talking about. Right. Like they were making Avatar video games. I'm like, right. well, yeah, of course. Like, that's what made me think of James Cameron. Right, right. What he said there. <laughs> um, it's, I mean, I guess... It's silly. It's silly. Any, any movement in terms of Microsoft making games is probably a good thing, but like, yeah. that's probably not the first place I'd start. I mean, look, Nintendo's done it. It's like Mitomo, and there's like Find Me. Right. Like, like Find Me was like free. Yeah, Find Me was and just like... they didn't dedicate a whole studio to making that No, stuff. it was just an excuse to like use the Street Pass stuff, right. which yeah. was great. Man, that was... that was Those were some cool times. That was... Man, E3 was great for that. It really like, was. E it, I, used to, I used to like... I finished like all the puzzles. Like every E3, I'm just like, oh, I'll just do all the puzzles this week. It was, it was great. Everybody's got a 3DS over there. Yeah. So, maybe not uh, anymore. I don't know. Now maybe everyone's just carrying a switch around probably, in their backpack. Yeah. But uh, I think that's a terrible idea. Uh, I don't know why Microsoft would terrible. care so much about terrible. it. <laughs> really? Yeah, terrible. Terrible. Charles Barkley. I'm terrible. Charles, Charles Barkley thinks it's terrible. <laughs> Um, I don't know why Microsoft would mandate that or do that, but it's, it's a weird move. I and mean, they don't look that good. No, and we've seen the bottom of their shoe. Right, it's nothing <laughs> impressive. <laughs> yep, absolutely. Uh, so I don't get it. It doesn't make any sense to me. 
It's not, and a, I don't think that's going to lead Microsoft no. to the promised land. And also, look, the, the most interesting thing that ever happened with the avatars was when they did one versus a hundred. Yeah, that was the only thing that really pulled me in about yep. about that. And I don't think most people that I know who have Xbox One like don't even realize the avatars are still a thing. Yeah. Like, they're just not part of the... You have to dig to find they're them. They're not like Miis. Like, Nintendo no. did a good job of branding Miis and letting people right. know about them, and it built that free-to-play game around them where you got to know them and know how they work. When they foreground them, and they made them right. an avatar, yeah. you know, ironically. They made them this thing that you acknowledged was kind of your representation in the Street Pass stuff and in the yeah. Miiverse stuff. I mean, I didn't find it particularly compelling, but at least it was there, and it was part of the system, and it made you use it, and it made you realize, okay, that's my me. That's me. Yeah. If I see me, I recognize me in the me-verse kind of thing. Yep. And Microsoft is like, I think I have, you know, my, I think my avatar has been dressed as Batman for the last, like, seven years. Like, I don't, <laughs> yeah. I don't know where <laughs> exactly. he is. I don't know what he's doing. Yeah. So there you go. Both of us think it's a bad idea, and it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So that'll do it but for... But it's probably a better idea than Crackdown 3. Probably. Yeah. If you if we if we made you play either Crackdown three or like World of Kefleens two, which one would you pick? I would still play Crackdown. All right. Yeah, I wouldn't go that far. I don't hate it that much. All right. All what right. if World of Kefleens two had guns? Yeah. There we go. Probably and... still Crackdown. All right. Yeah. Mm. All right. <laughs> That's gonna do it for Game Face episode one twenty seven. Uh, I could not be a part of the chat today, so I don't know if any of you guys subscribed through uh, Twitch Prime. If you did, thank you very much. We'll uh, fix that next week. Yeah, we're just figuring things out. This is our first episode Probably here. Probably need like something to put things on. Yeah, that would help. So, yeah. Like I mean, my sheet fell out. I'm like, oh, I'm just gonna leave it down yeah. there. <laughs> we'll once, get... once the trailer of the week hits, we know everything's all, everything's all bets are off. Yeah, so uh, we'll be getting things sorted out here. This is our first episode here. We wanted to get up and uh, do an app for you guys as quick as possible. Uh, moving last week, by the way, was the worst. My legs are still aching. My, I think I pulled my shoulder. It, it sucked, but I'm glad it's over with. We are out of our old studio. I am actively looking for a new one, so I'll keep you uh, in tune with all that stuff. Um, like I was saying earlier, if you guys did subscribe via Twitch Prime, thank you very much. If you haven't, just go click that button above, above our player. It helps us a ton. Um, but I think that's it. E3 is coming up here in about four weeks. We'll start talking about our plans for that in the very near future. As you guys know, the last couple episodes of Game Face before E3, we do huge e pre-E3 blowouts, big previews. We'll be doing that again this year. Uh, we are going to do our coverage a little bit different uh, from the show this year, and you'll be hearing a lot more about that soon. So on behalf of Matt and Sam and myself, Game Face is up and out. <laughs>